The views and opinions of today's broadcast are not necessarily the views and opinions of the TJRS radio network. Thank you for being a loyal listener and enjoy the show. Online radio at its best. You are listening to the TJRS radio network. He would throw all of them under the bus. Both of his sons, it's already been stated and reported that he would throw Don Jr. under the bus first before he'd throw Ivanka on the bus, uh, under the bus. And so, I, I, you know, because he's always had that infatuation with that, little, with that young lady, and it's really sad. Those teams can't be held accountable to anybody else but themselves. So until they get sued that they break up the NFL in an in a antitrust kind of way, then nothing's going to happen. So they do everything at all costs to not have discovery. He never spoke out against Trump. And, and Trump has been touting that same line that Pence could have done this, Pence could have done that. He is, not, he is not lightened up on that. He's been saying that since the beginning, and he's still going after Pence, and he's still saying this stuff. Why is Pence doing this now? You may write me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still like dust, I'll rise. Good morning, and welcome to the serious side of the J. Ryle Show, the show where we discuss politics social issues affecting people of color, and every now and then a little comedy as well. Now here's your host, Jay Ryle. Thank you so much for the wonderful introduction, and good morning. Today is October 1st, 2023, you're in tune to the serious side of the Jay Ryle Show. It's the Sunday morning roundtable where our family members bring their topics to the table. So it's time to give it up to God, and on the, on the other side, we'll introduce the panel, and we'll get into the show. Thank you for joining us for our Sunday morning prayer. Feel free to pray alongside me or to listen in silence. Sunday morning prayer is something we can always remember to do on a Sunday. It is, after all, to honor the Sabbath. We need to remember that this is the day of the Lord. Join me in praising the Lord on this special day. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for all the bounty and love you've brought me this last week. I am happy that this Sabbath I am here to praise and thank you for all that you've given me. I live in your light and walk your path. Lord, you bring me all kinds of gifts. My family and friends and the gift of life itself. This Sabbath, day of rest. I am picking time out to say to you, Lord, from the depth of my heart, that I am thankful for every grace you bestow upon me. I know that you watch over me all day. And it's right to give you thanks and praise for all your care and love. Lord God, I ask you to look down upon me and your son, and forgive us our trespasses against you and other people in our lives. There would have been times this week, Lord, when I could have been a better person. And I could have helped others, and I didn't. There were been times this last week when I have forgotten to thank you for your blessings in my life, and I've taken you and others for granted. In this week, I've not always taken time to pray and to tell others about your goodness and grace. Father, forgive me for my sins and my sins of omission. 
dawn in me with love and bless me so that I know I'm forgiven and I will strive harder this week to be all that you command me to be. I ask this in sure and certain knowledge that you are loved, God. You bring love and hope for you into the hearts of men and there are those in need of that touch, Lord. Lord, hear my prayer. Amen. Four seven eight five zero one two seven two is the calling number. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two is the calling number. And welcome to another edition of the Serious Times with Jay Rao. So of course you know who I am. I'm Jay Rao. Thank you guys so much for being a part of what we do. And I never share this stage by myself. It's the brother of another mother, the man who gets the first and last word here on the Serious Side. The one and only Mr. L to the E to the S. Good morning, sir. How are you? Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning to you and. Good morning, Nessa. Good morning, Rich Sister. Good morning, Momo B. Good morning, Kathleen. Good morning, Rodilia. Good morning, Mary the Music. And good morning, my brother Hawk. And good morning, my brother Jerome. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. If uh, Hopefully you guys have some excellent weather. It's that time where we make the transition from summer to fall. And I tell you, that's a wonderful time in Texas, and we really do appreciate it because the humidity comes down a little bit. The temperatures come down a little bit. So we are just ecstatic uh, that the weather is starting to make that change. And, of course, in other parts of this country, the leaves start changing colors as well. So which will make some beautiful photos. So, uh, hey, man, this is my favorite time of the season. And, folks, we appreciate you listening. Once again, the number is 347 And, of course, you know how we get down. If you listen to this show, we always take a few minutes to wrap and clap. Vanessa is off this morning. Uh, but, Mr. Elias and I, we're in the house. We're going to make it happen. A couple of things, Mr. Elias. First of all, giving, up, giving it up to uh, the first woman senator, uh, not the first woman, but the longest-serving uh, female senator, Diane Feinstein, passed this. She died this past week at the age of 90. But Delia, as you know, we don't, we haven't really talked about her a lot during the tenure of this show because she's a member mm-hmm. of Congress, and unless something really and truly happens where she's directly involved, uh, we usually don't uh, really talk about folks like that. So it's a good thing if we're not mentioning you during the show. That means that you're just doing your job. But give me your thoughts on this uh, great woman and the passing of uh, the senior senator senator from California. Well, you know, man, it's always a tragedy when someone dies, man. But my thought process is, man, she should have, you know, I I would have left Congress a long time ago. I would have, you know. And, you know, something, man, I wish this woman would have, would have, and she, she, they say she was in, she was the first woman mayor of San Francisco. And then she yep. went into, uh, you know, Congress right after that. But, my, my God, man, sometimes you need to rest and enjoy your life, man. And, and may, may God have mercy upon her soul and rest her soul now that she's no longer at with us. But, you know, man, you got to enjoy your life. That's 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 a, a life well spent, I can say, because she served her public for her entire life. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting you say that because, you know, I just have to contradict myself because we did do a show a few months ago about her. Remember the episode that happened in the the chambers where a staff member had to tell her just to stay present? And so we talked about, you know, staying. Yeah, so we did have a conversation about her. But once again, you know, what I said was true. If we 
talk about you, that means that uh, something happened and you're in the spotlight. But once again, Ms. Kelly, as I get what you're saying, she served her constituents well. Um, you know, the bottom line is at some point you do have to move out the way and allow new talent to come and surface. That's just the way of the world. Like Mufasa said, Ms. Mm-hmm. Elias, it's the circle of life. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, with, with, with Diane Feinstein, here's the thing about members of Congress, and, and listen, and, and I'm not trying to rain on her parade. You know, the lady, I want to give her her flowers, and she was just a great senator from uh, the state of California. But at the end of the day, you know, I mean, how often do they really work? I mean, my goodness, you know, they go on recess for three or four months at a time. It's the most cushiony job, I think, in the world. I just, I, I just think, think about it. You know, we talked about old boy, the liar from New York. What's the guy's name? Uh, that, uh, yeah, him. You know, this guy is just a member of Congress. He's not, you know, he doesn't have, he's not on the board because of what he's, you know, all the lies he's told. So he's just to me just collecting a paycheck. So what is he doing? Mm-hmm. He's not yeah. representing and his position. Before she, before, before well, the Republicans yeah. won the House. But, but before that, she was just collecting yeah. a paycheck. Same thing with yeah, her. Just collecting a paycheck. You know, so, so yeah. I mean, it's one of the easiest jobs in the world, I think. But, uh, you know, once again, giving her flowers, um, you know, God rest her soul. And like you said, Mr. Elliott, it's just a fine woman. Speaking of California, uh, we have someone, Mr. Elliott, on the line that uh, used to stay in the great state of California. Yeah, but now she's in the uh, great state of Georgia, which I was just there uh, a week ago. Let's bring in our sister, uh, rich sister, Jackie. Good morning, Jackie. And uh, welcome. Long time no hear from. How are you? I'm doing great. How's everyone doing? When I said that, I said, oh, boy. I mean, I could it was almost like, you know, you, I wanted to suck it back in, but it was already out there. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was in Atlanta. I was in, uh, uh, matter of fact, I think I was in outside the outskirts of Atlanta, Buford, wherever that is, by the Mall of Georgia. Mall of Georgia. Yeah, because so, me, I'm go. still kind of no, because I'm still learning Georgia myself. Because I only know a couple malls, but but yeah, mm-hmm. that's how you do. Oh, so are you in the Atlanta but area? Wanna... Uh, are you in the Atlanta area? <laughs> yeah, particularly in I'm, I'm in College Park. I'm okay, College Park. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. All right. So, yeah, so there you go. So, I definitely wanted yes. to call and chime in about uh, Diane Feinstein. It's, wow. Absolutely. Wow. Give us your thoughts it's, on that. Yeah. Um. I just, I'm just, I was shocked about it, but I mean, she sure she lived a fine life and she served California well, and I just You're pray shocked? that. Um, that Look, you're, I'm sorry. You're, you're I didn't shocked? catch up with the, I'm just no, understand. I, I, I haven't oh, okay. watched the news lately. I'm sorry. Kill okay. me. But when no, you no, were we were talking about that. I was like I was like, Senator? Wait a minute, hold on. And I just looked it up. I'm sorry, kill yeah. me. I just looked it up and I thought I was like, Oh my God. So yeah, sorry. I didn't know. No, no that's but, okay. But I still mm-hmm. wanted to chime in. She was a she was a great senator. And um, just shocked to hear about her um, passing. And I just pray yeah. that um, somebody will, you know, you know, 
build, you know, see the example that she left behind and step in and continue to do the work. But sorry, yeah. I haven't been ke- keeping up with the news lately. lately. Kill me. So I, I didn't know no, no, when I, you said I, I, that. I had to look it up just now. We, I was like, to, oh, my God. We don't want to kill you. We don't want to kill you, Jackie. I mean, you, know, you keep saying <laughs> but that. But she I mean, was a great the, candidate. The, the, there were times a, a long time candidate. ago I wanted to, but that's okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> what were you saying? I, well, I'm sorry. She was you, a great senator. She was a great yeah. senator. And okay. just sorry to yeah. hear about her passing and just bless her family. Where's going out to her family? Absolutely. Good stuff. Uh, you can hang out if you want. Ms. Elias, uh, we have uh, another resident of California in the queue. I mean, since we're talking about the great senator from the senior senators that are from the state of California, let's bring in our, we used to call the lady cab driver, but, uh, you know, it's a beautiful soul. Let's bring in Mr. Elias, so you know who I'm talking about. Uh-huh. Good, morning. Good morning. Good uh, morning. Wh- are you there? Good morning. Welcome in. How are you, ma'am? Uh, good morning, Jay Ryle. Mr. Elliott, good morning. Good here. Good morning. morning. Sister from Queens in the Morning, Rich Sister. Yeah. Hey, um, real Dillion. Hey, real Dillion. How you doing? I'm very well, thank you. And, um, I, I, yeah, I had to call in. I, I had posted on my Facebook page, Rest in Peace, Diane Feinstein, as soon as I was aware that she had passed. Um, I think that was on Thursday night. Friday we yeah. learned that she had passed. Friday morning. Yeah. But, right, and, and um, I – I um, grew up in San Francisco. I still live in the San Francisco Bay Area, but not in the city proper. But I was a a teenager in high school when Dianne Feinstein became our mayor in San Francisco. And, um, you know, people that are not, you know, local to the San Francisco Bay Area don't know how she became mayor. But what happened was – Dan White, who was um, a supervisor on the Board of Supervisors, because San Francisco is unique in California. It's the only city and county. It's self-contained. All the other counties in California have multiple cities. But San Francisco County is the city and the county. So anyways, um, so they have a Board of Supervisors instead of a city council. So um, Dan White had been kicked off the Board of Supervisors and he came to City Hall, and he killed the mayor and the only openly gay, uh, the first only Harvey openly Milk. gay, Harvey Milk, right. Mm-hmm. And uh, Diane Feinstein was the head of the Board of Supervisors. And so that was how she ascended to be the mayor of San Francisco. And then, she, and then I think she was subsequently reelected. Because I think at that time I was either too young to vote or that was, you know, my first few years of voting. But, yes, she took over the city of San Francisco when we were in mourning. And uh, George Moscone, the mayor who was killed, um, the convention center in San Francisco is named for him, as well as a park in one of the affluent neighborhoods, um, Moscone Park, and also there is a school. Um, I think Moscone Elementary School. So he's very much revered. There, there's a, I think there may even be a bust of him at the airport. But I know George George C. Moscone was a very re- revered mayor, and it was a tragedy. Matter of fact, it was um, when that happened. 
it was right before I started my senior year of high school. So even our high school yearbook was kind of dedicated on the opening pages about what all had happened. Oh, wow. um, Mr. Elias, do you do you remember, did you all hear about it nationally, the Twinkie defense? Have you ever no. heard of that phrase? Okay, this uh-huh. was one of the funny this was one of the funny stories. When Dan White was went to uh, you know, court for, for, for murder his murder conviction, his lawyer utilized never defense. He was all hopped up on Twinkie. <laughs> That's why wow. he was angry enough. Yeah, yeah, I heard. I, yeah, now that you mentioned, I remember. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah the Twinkie defense. That that oh, was. Wow. The, I think that was one of the big jokes of the time. You know, he was all hopped up on Twinkies. But well, yeah, well, it, it, was, it was a very, very dark day. I don't even remember. We may have even, you know, when, when we learned in school that this had happened, this was just such a terrible thing. You know, right. nobody had heard yeah. of thing happening, and of course now that's that's. In uh, San Francisco, that's when they started having, you know, obviously more screening of people being able to go into uh, City Hall. Because Dan White, he wasn't a supervisor anymore, so he should have had to pass through metal detectors, but they didn't have all of that then. Now, of course, you get screened going to City Hall. And I saw, and I saw that I read that he shot them on the steps of City Hall. So I'm not sure did he have access to the building. And I know, and I also right when they're all he went into their offices. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Didn't know that. Okay. He went to the mayor's office and confronted him because he wanted to get back on the board of supervisors. And he's been replaced by Harvey Milk. And you know George Moscone stood his ground and he said no, and he was killed. And then Harvey Milk oh, okay. was killed. Oh, okay. And I believe wow. Diane Feinstein was the one that found rendered aid. both of them. Excuse me? She rendered aid, so according to reports, she rendered aid to uh, okay, to yeah. uh, Harvey Milk. And uh, matter of fact, there's a clip of her explaining uh, about how she tried to stop the bleeding by sticking her finger in the bullet wound. I tell you what, this is a good information. I appreciate you, Lil you're bringing this to the table. And this is the inside stuff, folks, that you get when people from that state uh, come in and provide, you know, our national and world audience with information. So we appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so much. One last thing I want to talk about, Ms. Daly, real quick before we get out of here, before we get to break, when we get to the news break. Uh, an arrest in the Tupac Shakur secure murder. Um, interesting. I, I was watching uh, a, 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 a news conference, Mr. Elias, and it was interesting how, I'm not sure if the person was a sheriff. It looks like he was from the sheriff's department. He talked about how they knew immediately after Tupac was killed who did it. And it took them all this time to arrest the individual, and I do remember this name because I've watched a, a number of documentaries on Tupac, and I was wondering, why is this guy in jail? Well, they finally got him. It, it wasn't that guy who killed him. It was not that guy killed him. It He handed his nephew, who was Orlando, uh, I can't remember his last name. Right yeah, now. yeah, yeah, I know yeah, who you're talking he, about, though. Yeah. He, Orlando Anderson, he handed him the there gun. There you go. So that he could, Orlando Anderson got this is the guy that was in the uh, in the casino when you see Tupac and 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 Suge right. uh beating this guy in the casino, right? So this yeah. guy was it was a retaliation for what happened, 
And this guy right. had been talking about this all along. And what had happened was they said uh, PBB um, um, got a big drug charge. So they said, hey, man, if you give us information on some of the crimes that you know about, we'll lighten up your drug charge. And, they, and then he came out and told them. But they said they couldn't use it at that time against him because he, he, he testified under, uh, under oath because he said, this is what I'm going to do to help you guys out and figure out what happened. So they couldn't charge him with it. But when he came on the Brad channel talking about this stuff and what else, and anybody that would hear him talking about it, then that's, that's when they said, okay, all bets off now. You're talking about this in public. Now we can take you down. That's what happened. Yeah, well, yeah, well, I know. I mean, yeah. So I was listening to the uh, news, uh, the, the presser and uh, the press conference uh, from the uh, from law enforcement, and they talked about and they laid out how this uh, happened. And yeah, so they 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 said they knew this guy was connected, but uh, you know they didn't go into all that detail. I guess for obvious reasons. But but yeah. So anyway, there's been an arrest in the the murder of Tupac. You know, I can hear the conspiracy conspiracy theories already. So, but uh, listen, hopefully, justice justice will be served for Mr. Tupac Shakur Machiavelli. Is that what they call him, the Machiavelli or whatever this that last hour made? So, uh, Machiavelli. Machiavelli. There's the man. All right, all right, folks. Listen, we're way over three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. It is time to step out for an NPR news update. We appreciate the ladies with their input. We'll be right back after this. Mr. Elias is on the clock. Can't wait to hear what he wants to talk about. Coming up next, right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio at its best. This message comes from NPR sponsor, AWS. Business is constantly changing. How are you staying ahead? With AWS, you can power new possibilities with generative AI and predict customer wants with machine learning. Just imagine how AWS can transform your business. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Giles Snyder. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is dismissing concerns that hardline Republicans could try to oust him following his decision to rely on Democratic votes to keep government open. You know what, if somebody wants to remove because I want to be the adult in the room, go ahead and try. McCarthy was elected Speaker in January. He agreed to a rule allowing just one lawmaker to file a resolution calling for a vote of confidence. The Senate gave the spending bill final approval after more House Democrats than Republicans pushed it to passage. It was a dramatic day on Capitol Hill, and NPR's Jimena Bastille says the drama is not over yet. It is likely we at least face another threat of a shutdown. But the big question is whether or not McCarthy is going to have to deal with a challenge to his leadership before then that could delay this process. McCarthy also told me that he's planning on working with the Senate before then to wrap it all up within 45 days. But border funding and Ukraine aid are big issues that will have to be tackled. And as of today, there's no clear path forward. President Biden says he expects Speaker McCarthy to keep his commitment to the Ukrainian people. Billions in additional aid Biden sought was left out for the government funding package. California's governor has rejected a bill that would have given unemployment benefits to workers on strike. Cap Radio's Nicole Nixon reports the move has angered many of his allies in the labor movement. The legislation would have allowed striking workers to access unemployment if their labor disputes weren't resolved after two weeks. 
It was modeled after similar laws in New York and New Jersey and inspired in large part by this summer's drawn-out strikes in Hollywood. But Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom vetoed the legislation, citing fiscal concerns. California's unemployment fund is still $20 billion in debt after pandemic shutdowns. Labor leaders, who normally get along well with Newsom, criticized the veto as out of step with workers and are vowing to revive the legislation next year. For NPR News, I'm Nicole Nixon in Sacramento. The U.N. team has arrived in Nagorno-Karabakh to assess humanitarian needs after the enclave was recaptured by Azerbaijan. The World Health Organization special envoy to Armenia, Rob Butler, described to the BBC the situation in a town across the border in Armenia where, where uh, refugees are arriving. The 100,000 new arrivals have immense needs. We've heard from local health facilities about chronic diseases, hypertension, diabetes, cardiovascular, and of course cancer patients. Very alarmingly, we also heard of cases of severe malnutrition. As you can understand, the sense of loss, people with expressionless faces, on the scale I've never seen before. The vast majority of Nagorno-Karabakh ethnic Armenian residents have fled to Armenia in recent days, fearing oppression if they remained. This is NPR. Wait, you're going to post those pictures of Mary? Yep. She thinks she's so hot. But her mom and dad will see them. Her grandmother, her little sister, everyone she knows, it's going to kill her. Who cares? Just a couple of pictures. No big deal. No big deal? Don't. This has got to stop. Stop cyberbullying. The results could be deadly. Online radio at its best. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two is the call in number. It's the serious side on a beautiful Sunday morning. Thank you guys so much for spending a portion of your morning with us, a portion of your day. Uh, if you have kids and if you like the NFL, matter of fact, they're doing something on Disney Plus right now where they're doing the NFL Toy Story style. So check it out. It should be fun for your kiddos. But uh, it's the Sunday morning roundtable, and of course, we know how it works. If you are a frequent listener of this show, it's where our panel, our family, they bring topics to the table. The man who gets the first and last word, and since it's Brother's Day uh, on this show this morning, uh, Mr. Elias is on the clock. Mr. Elias, man, what are we talking about for the first segment of the show? Well, you made me watch this sham of a show. Um, so let's talk about the, the, the Republican debate, man. Uh, oh, you know, I had no intention on watching that crap. And that's what it was, was straight up crap. And, the you know, and, and to listen to the stuff that was said was just unbelievable, just listening to it. But to me, the biggest sellout of the night was Tim Scott when he made the statement about how black families were better off in slavery than when uh, they gave black families welfare. <laughs> I, that one, Whoa. that one threw me I must have, yes. I must have fell asleep yes. through that part he of it. Said, said, I didn't see that. He said, really? The families, families, you know, black families were this, black, the fathers were this, the fathers were that. But then when, 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 when Johnson came through with his bill and passed the bill, black families broke up. Oh, really? 
Really? Is, is this the crap you're talking? Is this, the, is, is this what you're really saying right now? This is Tim Scott. The whole, the, the whole uh, night was a sham to me. It was, a, it was a sham. But when he said that, I thought to myself, man, you are a butt kisser to no end. You know, when you sit here and, and, and sit here and can say, you know, how 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 the black families were more together during slavery than it was when they got when they got welfare, and, you know, because it took the black fathers out of their home. You mean they didn't take the black fathers out of the home when they when they when they broke up their family and said, hey, Negro, you going over here and you gonna we gonna take you away from your family? It was better then. This is what we talk, this is what we talking about, Tim Scott. You are a complete idiot. And you need to drop out the way because you're not you're not doing it. You're not you're not even moving the needle. I guess I guess that was your that was your way of trying to move the needle. Cause oh wow! You, you say, oh my God, man! You you look like it's like how how can I say something more racist than what these white folks are saying already? No, let me let me do it like this. And and hey, look, man, Tim Scott needs to lead the race. He's an idiot. He's a complete idiot. He's a dumb. He's dumb. He has nothing. You know, to the race, and he's a sellout Negro. Now, let me let me rephrase that. He's a sellout ass Negro. Wow. You're Take your ass this morning. And get out the race. Get out the race because right. you, you 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 add nothing of value to anyone. Nothing. Well, well, if that's the case, then all of them should get out the race because none of them are adding anything of value. I mean, let's be honest about it. But let's talk about that because, to be perfectly honest with you, once again, I think I may have fell asleep on that stuff. At some point, you just say, wow, and you just have to look at it and shake your head because it is what it is. And at the end of the day, none of those people that were on stage, you know, what what makes me nervous about this whole thing is, is that, you know, we talked about this a few shows ago where Democrats are concerned about Biden's age. And in a head-to-head, according to most polls, you know, uh, Biden will beat Trump, even though this is tight. In the last two weeks, there have been a number of polls showing that this race is tight. Now, think about this for a second. Showing that this race is tied. A man that's three years younger than the current president of the United States a man who has been indicted four times, he has 90, what, 91 charges against him, mm-hmm. 93 or whatever that number is, and that this country, anyway. I, I mean, there's a possibility that this guy can get back into office. And it's a strong and possibility. A democracy. This, is, this is what I don't understand. I don't care at all costs. I don't care at all costs. He can be as old as hell, but you're not going to threaten my democracy. Which means that we got an autocracy if this guy gets back in the office. Which means he's not, he's going he's going to try to blow up the, the the constitution, and it's a threat to our democracy. And people don't understand that. And people all know it's not. It's happening all over the country. Look what's happening in Wisconsin as we speak right now. And in for those who don't know, in Wisconsin, Wisconsin. They just nominated the Supreme Court Justice of the state of Wisconsin and, and won by a landslide, right? Yep. They're trying to impeach her because they have the votes to impeach her. Not because she's done yep. something wrong, but because they got the votes to impeach her. Why? Because yep. they're talking about stopping gerrymandering the districts. And then what they, the Republicans would lose their, their hold over Wisconsin. This is what they're doing. 
and people don't understand that our democracy is at a threat. And once they get you, they got you. I don't care if you're white, black, brown, green, or whatever. Once they got you, the rich folks are going to stick it to you and we're going to have, have an uprising. And that's the only way we're going to get out of this thing. But until you guys realize this is what's going on, you will never, you'll never understand it. Never understand it. These people are trying to take away your freedoms. And you guys, don't even, yeah. it's like, they, you know, it's like they don't care. It's like get Trump back in there. He says what I what I what I what I what I want to say. He says it all the time. Yeah, he says what you want to say, and he's also saying, "Hey, I don't want you people hey, to touch me. I don't like none of you. I'm none of you clowns." But you'll keep voting for him. You'll keep voting for him. Well, I think the bigger issue here, for me at least, is how you know we talk about how this country. To me, I mean. When we talk about some of the, you know, the, the you know, countries in the world, uh, democracies and countries of that nature, when it comes to the education factor, you know, the United States is towards the bottom, right? I mean, we're the greatest country in the world, but yet still we're the dumbest, in my opinion, in the world. You know, and we have people in this country. Well, I mean, we're dumb, and and at, and at the end of the day, people are voting for these fools, and it's the the problem you have is. You know, you look at people that look like you and I, right? I don't think it's a secret. I think people know what race we are. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure they could tell. But at the end of the day, when you look at that, our folks don't get out there and pay. I mean, in some cases they do. But for the most part, I talk to a lot of people who don't vote. I talk to a lot of folks who thinks it's just, you know, yeah. we're wasting our time. Because at the end mm-hmm. of the day, they're going to win anyway. I mean, I think you and I kind of went back and forth a couple of weeks ago in regards to this because – you know, people look at look at it as the definition of insanity. You know, they don't understand that. You know, this is not this is not a sprint; it's a long walk. And you know, I don't know what the answer to the question is. I, I really don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. If someone came up to me and and asked me my opinion on something along these lines, I'd have to look at them like I don't know, because I really don't. I can't. People, like-minded people, right? And here's the thing that's scary. You're going to always have people, Mr. Elias, that are crazy. They exist no matter for whatever reasons, because they have a mental issue or whatever the case may be. That's why they have jails. That's why they have police. You're going to always have a part of society that's just not going to do the right thing. But when you have over 74 million people vote for this man after his track record, after the fact mm-hmm. that millions of people lost their lives because of the way he handled COVID, right? The fact that he is still out here threatening people. He just threatened the former Joint Chiefs of Staff, saying that yes. this guy would be executed. This guy, so that's what makes this, that, that's what makes this an emergency as far as I'm concerned. Because you're never going to have 100% mm-hmm. of anything. But when you have over 74 million people vote for this fool, after his track record, now, this guy has been brought up. They have pretty much said he raped that lady. He's going to court on, is it Tuesday? Or is yeah. It, I can't, is it tomorrow or Tuesday? And the judge was like, look, they, they tried to get this thing thrown out or delayed. The judge said, oh, no, we don't need a jury. <laughs> I can look at this. This is nonsense. No, you committed fraud. So now come on down and let's see what's going to happen. When these things exist, 
and you still have people voting for this man? What does that tell you about our fellow citizens? They're dumb. I mean, they're dumb. They're dumb. They are dumb. Look, let's call it what it is. Look, they, they had a senator from, from, from was it, New Jersey and New York, Menendez. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> one of the Democrats, and they stepped them like, get him out of office. Because he's in these yeah. They could have did the same thing they did with, the, with, with Santos and said, hey, look, dude, we still need to vote, so we're going to leave you in office. No, get him out of office. Get him out. Because this is the right thing to do. This is what you do. You step up and you protect your democracy. Well, if Trump gets to back in office, we can shut our democracy. Goodbye. We can't. Yeah, but you, and for all you, you know the thing for is, all you black folks, mm-hmm. all you black folks mm-hmm. who don't 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 believe he's gonna do you wrong, he's gonna see you just like you see me. There's my African American send his ass to jail too. Well, what's interesting is, you know, that I remember we would have, when you talked about this whole thing about Democrats, I remember you and Jerome would say, oh, no, you know, Democrats need to stop doing this. Democrats need to play ball like they play ball, you know, because, I, you know, I, what, I happened with, what, what happened with uh, with uh, Al uh, Franken and out of, uh, where, was, where, where is he, out of Michigan? Where, where, I can't remember what state. He's, he's from. out of Minnesota. Minnesota. Minnesota, there you go. Yeah, you know, the fact that Democrats was like, get him out of office, you know, get him out of power. Um, so, you know, but the right thing is the right thing, and the wrong thing is the wrong thing, and you can't sit here. And and, and, and this is the reason why, and we're going to talk about this a little later, that the fact that the government almost shut down, but they still had impeachment hearings. You know, thank God that they finally got it across the finish line. But at the end of the day, what's comical about all of this is that how Republicans, and I remember we talked about this, I want to say maybe two weeks ago, and I, before I introduced the, the set, I was laughing. I couldn't stop laughing because you sit here and listen to these Republicans on this free uh, impeachment hearing talk about how, um, you know, the president, you know, he's try, his son gave people access to him, and this is not how it should be. And I'm like, are you people effing kidding me? Are you kidding me? Donald Trump, Donald Trump, they can be Donald Trump. Are you, are you kidding me? Are you kidding? You can say this with a straight face. That's why no one trusts politicians. They can lie with a straight face. How they sit here and talk about, yeah. well, we smell some nonsense here. Uh, the president had an inappropriate, uh, his son gave him access. First and foremost, what backfired against them was their very first witness that they brought to the fake impeachment trial mm-hmm. said, hey, I don't see any evidence that warrants an impeachment. These people mm-hmm. are clowns. They're this clowns. Is their, this is their people saying that. I don't see anything yeah. that warrants an impeachment. And what dude, that means, dude. I can't remember what a senator said he said, if you feel that way, then bring the vote, bring it to a vote. I dare you, I dare you to bring it to a vote. And they wouldn't, they none of them brought it to a vote. <laughs> dude, dude, that's the whole thing about Trump. See, this is how stupid America is. I'm sorry, Americans, you're stupid. Everyone who has testified against Donald Trump, Republicans, people that were a part of his administration, the Democrats and George Soros is trying to get you people are idiots, man. And it's just, it's amazing how gullible people can be. But listen, this is nothing new. Dare I say the name's Jim Jones? Huh? 
I mean, you take all these people and have them drink Kool-Aid. I mean, how can you be so – I don't get it, man. I just don't understand it, and I don't get it. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't understand it. I, I, I can't I can't put my finger on it. And that's what makes this situation deadly and scary is that he continues, even though the judges are saying, hey, shut your mouth, he's continuing to say, you know what, I dare. He's playing chicken with him. He's playing chicken, yeah. Mr. Elias. Yeah, because every time you're talking about execute a military general, he should, he should be executed. Are you kidding me? And, and they, these are the, the great patriots of our country. All, all are still on his side. That means you don't care nothing about our country. You don't care nothing about it. He said, anytime he spoke against the military, the bottom line is they did nothing to him. Think about that. Anytime he spoke against our military, they've done nothing to him. But like, hey, that's eh, just Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah, I'll forgive him. People, they're, they're clowns, man. The clown car has arrived in D.C. All right, uh, Jackie wanted to make a comment on it. Jackie, what was yours, ma'am? Yeah, um, ergo, you see why I kind of took the news break? Because I got, he's part of what I got sick of hearing about. And it, uh-huh. it disgusts me that you would even consider him running for 2024. Are you kidding me? After all of what you you talking about Jim Jones and drinking the 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 Kool Aid with the cyanide in it? Yeah, yeah, that 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 part. I, I'm like that. That's part of why I I had to shut down and take a total news break because I was dumbfounded after after January after after before before his so-called presidency. He was already, he shouldn't have even been in there, but definitely yeah. after his so-called presidency and just giving it a full bang with January the sixth, for you to even consider him as a possible uh, running for twenty twenty four is disgusting and scary. Well, disgusting. Yeah. I mean, it just changed me. Whoever is truly a, whoever was truly a real Republican, I feel sorry for you because these suckers, these trumpets, then hijacked your party (laughs) and made you made you a laughing stock. I I felt sorry for people who are truly Republicans. They they didn't hijack your party and made you a laughing stock. Well, a lot of prominent Republicans have left the party, and so I haven't seen this uh, type of mass exodus, Mr. Elias, in a very long time. They're coming out and saying, look, I can't be a part of it. Matthew Stroud, I mean, this is a guy that I was like, ugh, I can't stand this dude, but guess what? Now he's on MSNBC more more than Joy Reid because it's like, look, I can't deal with this. You know, at some point we have to put country first, and we cannot continue down this path of destruction. And for these people, it's like one man, Mr. Elias, one dude controls all of this. I, I, I don't, you know, people talk about once-in-a-lifetime figures, right? And I think that we've all been blessed, as far as I'm concerned. We, we, to me, we've lived during the greatest 
the greatest time in American in world history, I think, right? I mean, like for example, I don't think you're going to ever see another, you know, Michael Jordan, the impact that he had, right? You're not going to see uh, another Barack Obama, as far as I'm concerned. You know, that whole thing, because President Obama, remember when this thing first started, he was like, you know, last they were thinking that it was going to be against Hillary and uh, Rudy uh, and uh, Mayor uh, uh, Rudy Giuliani, and then all of a sudden it was like, whoa. We had never seen anything like this before, right? And so now, here's another situation. I have never, ever, ever, ever seen anything like this. This is unfreaking believable. Let's bring in the man, the smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome Spreeze in the house. Good morning, Jerome. How are you? I'm good, man. How you doing? Good morning, Jerome. I live in America. I live in America. Hey, so you know good how morning. I feel. Yeah. James Brown made a song about it. Living in America. All right. So, Mr. Elias, Sunday morning roundtable, Jerome. Mr. Elias, uh, he brought up what happened the Republican uh, debate and how all these, Mm -hmm. you know, and and, you'll listen, and we kind of got off track, but I want to go back to to, to the comments that that, uh, Tim Scott made. You know, Tim Scott is another one of these cats, man, where. They, they 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 smile on his face, but then as soon as he walks out the room, they're probably calling him the N word and all that. He is a he is. I am not going to call him names because my mother raised me better than that. But what I will say is, it's okay for you I to will. have a coon bastard. Shout out bastard. My mother raised me good, well too, but she raised me to tell the truth. Because hey, hey man, look, he's a, he's a kiss ass. He's a black kiss ass. That's what he is. Thank you, Mr. Elias. Mr. Elias is, you know, well, what is he? He's the alter ego. You know, it's like, uh, <laughs> I'll say this, and then, yeah, this is what I really feel. Mr. Elias, get it. Uh, but, but Jerome, you know, listen, mm-hmm. and I think you would agree with this statement, that I think it's, you know, we need to have two viable political parties, right? I mean, I mean, do you agree with that? I mean, or do you? I think we should. We should have a strong Republican Party and a strong Democratic Party. But what we're seeing now you know man, is I, just pure chaos. Or no? Yeah, I don't. Are, are I don't really know. That? Yeah, I don't know the answer to that to that question. Just because what we're not what we're not considering is that you know when people say as Republicans that they're leaving because of Trump. They are, you know, they have Pat Buchanan and all those people there doing the same thing. Some white, some Republicans left because of George Bush lying about weapons of mass destruction. That We have a cognitive dissonance when it really comes to white folks and their reality about how they're projecting anything into this world, right? And so the Republican Party is no different than the Democratic Party in this sense, that if just because all of the Republicans are are testifying in January 6th against them, they still can't believe that it's true. And then we, on the other side, say things like, well, it's all your people testifying against you. Now, mm-hmm. think about it this way, just really fundamentally. If I, okay. as a black person, only wanted a black jury, y'all would say, oh, that's unfair. That's unfair, that black people want to be judged by black people. How come that's acceptable 
and you're getting a pat on the back that Republicans are tar- starting to tell the truth about other Republicans. Right? Interesting. We should not allow Republicans leaving the Republican Party to, and I'm not a Democrat, so I'm not saying we as a party. How come Democrats are allowing Republicans, just because they don't like Trump, to join their party? Because what they're doing is they're making the Democratic Party more conservative. Look at you. Right? So, so integrating them together will make white supremacy that much more damaging to the collective just by having the conservative people join their party. Because when we forget history, we're bound to repeat it. And what happened? Most um, black people were Republicans. Yeah. And then all of the racist Democrats joined the Republican Party, and they made that party racist. And now black people don't have no – they'll keep chasing us out to create for us to create new parties, not them, because everybody wants to be with the cool kids. So That's when you get found out here. that you're being racist, you try to infiltrate in between everybody else's stuff. So it's maddening and sickening at the same time. Wow. Look at this guy here. You know, there's a reason, Mr. Elias. We call him the smartest man in the world. Wow, look how he just put that together. You see how, how he did that? I mean, this guy, mm-hmm. I, I didn't even look at it from that perspective. Look at this guy. You know, he's going to make us do something that, you know, normally, you know, usually I used to, you know, I was going to play the applause, but I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to give this man his kudos because what, what, that, that's a hell of a uh, pull there, Jerome. And uh, you, you're, you're absolutely correct. Uh, in, in what you said. See, I tell you what, that's matter of fact, to me, that's just a drop the mic moment, I think so, for this second. Let's just drop it, okay? <laughs> drop the mic. The man is in the house. All right, coming up next, the man is on the, uh, he's on the clock. We're going to hear what Jerome want to talk about next, and if not, we can just kind of freestyle. All right, coming up next, right now, um, do you know who Commander Bidey is? Probably never heard that term before, right? I'll tell you what, if you're a dog lover, you're going to really love this portion of the show. It is time for in four minutes or less, something that you need to know. And I'm going to rename it for this particular segment. Something that is nice and fun to know. Because we live in this world and we always talk about doom, day, doom, doom, doom. Let's have some fun. Coming up next, on the need to know, oops, I'm sorry. Coming up next, Kavina time. <laughs> Three minutes or less, something that you need to know. We'll be right back after this. Don't you go anywhere. Pets have their own language. It's part of their charm. They paw, scratch, sniff, slobber, yowl, and display affection, anxiety, devotion, and delight in the most direct ways. They beg for head pats and belly rubs, stalk crumbs and sneak snacks, and occasionally they snap. President Biden, who must already contend with Congress, foreign powers, the economy, and climate crisis, may now also have to worry about the deportment of one of his dogs. Commander, the Biden's two-year-old German Shepherd, reportedly bit a Secret Service agent at the White House this week. Again, this is the 11th report that Commander has sunk his incisors into a member of the Secret Service. Agents may begin to wonder if their sworn duty to protect the president and their family should also entail being a doggy chew toy. Elizabeth Alexander, communications director for Jill Biden, issued a statement on what someone might begin to call Bitergate. The White House can be a stressful environment for family pets, it said, and the first family continues to work on ways to help Commander handle the often unpredictable nature of the White House grounds. 
Major, another Biden family dog, has already had to be relocated from the White House after several biting incidents. All the sirens coming and going, lights blinking in the chop-chop-chop of the president's helicopter landing and leaving, summit meetings and state dinners, no pets allowed. Same with press conferences and cabinet meetings. You never know when the Honorable Secretary of something or other might be allergic to pet dander and start sneezing just as the president signs an executive order. Professional and college sports champs come to the White House with the team jersey for the president. Foreign dignitaries offer gifts of state, fountain pens, rugs, and art. But I've never seen them bring along so much as a squeaky duck for a presidential pet. Peanut butter? Not even once. Don't you think that at some point you might begin to snap? This weekend, as Congress fails to pass even a short-term spending bill and another government shutdown moves, wonder if the president might convene another meeting of congressional leaders, and this time, invite Commander into the Oval Office. Do we have a budget deal, the president might ask? Or do I tell Commander, sickle? You ain't nothing but a- Once upon a time, in a place called Mzansi, the people love driving cars everywhere. They use lots and lots of electricity and chop down many trees for firewood. And then a very strange thing happened. The weather began to change. In some places there were droughts where before there was rain. In other places, the rivers flooded. The grown-ups realized they were contributing to the strange weather. They discovered if they used clean energy and less electricity, they could save Mzansi for their children. What happened then? How the story unfolds is up to each and every one of us. Switch off, recycle, change. Help save tomorrow, today. Online radio at its best. Welcome back here. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. It is uh, fifty four minutes after the hour, or six minutes before the top of the hour. <laughs> You're listening to the serious side of the Jay Rob Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network. <laughs> radio at its best. You know, Miss Elias, we never uh, heard reports of both. Oh, Obama by the Secret Service members. Boy, that's a funny story there, man. Wow. Yeah. That's like everyone is all those white people, man. Wow. <laughs> I wonder if he bites the president, do they shoot him? I mean, I don't know. I'm just out of curiosity. I don't know. Anyway, it's the Sunday morning roundtable. And, of course, Mr. Esprit is in the house. Sir, anything you want to talk about this morning that's on your mind? that we need to discuss amongst our peeps. Yes, well, I want to say this really quickly. I'm going to defend the dog in this case because <laughs> dogs don't bite a lot of times unless you did something to them. So I don't know what the Secret Service is doing to them. I don't know, right? Like, so stop blaming the dog. Stay out his face. Stop trying to pet. Because, you know, I, I was on um, I was on um, our university um, years ago, and this uh, dog was in the car, and the window right. was cracked. And this girl oh. comes through and sticks her hand in the in the window to pat him, and tried to bite her. And I was like, "See, mind your business." 
That's all I want to say. So I'm not blaming the dog on this one. And, and that was just that was just the damn dumbest commentary that I've ever heard on why somebody shouldn't have a dog because people might be allergic to it and that kind of that was just stupid. That yeah. that just tells me that whatever Biden does, somebody's gonna have something yep. smart to say. There you go. Can, right? can you say tan suit? <laughs> Come on, man. Right. That was just that, yeah. That's his tan suit. That's exactly what it is. His dog is his tan suit. Right. And so okay. So really, I know I don't have um. And, and if you guys don't have anything to add, this is fine. But you know, I want to talk about the the um the the phenom that is um. Um, Deion Sanders. I just really want to kind of talk about this because I know yeah. that with the, with the whole, um, you know, ratings of college football going up, which is which is good. It helps the kids with the NIL, which is the the naming, imaging, and licensing stuff that the right. kids get to um, have. I am watching hate of that black man on a thousand. Because of the attention that he's bringing to college football. I'm watching all the college football teams hate him. Their coaches are having a problem. The commentators are happy when he loses. It is a black man in America issue when you talk about Deion Sanders. I don't like the way he's doing it, but he's doing Stop hating on that man. And so anytime I watch, because I don't watch college football that often, and I've been watching all of Colorado's games. So just yeah. like, you know, we like to say with the Michael Jordan effect, that like people yeah. who didn't watch basketball watch Michael Jordan, there are people who are watching um, Colorado who does not watch football. So be happy yeah. about it. But the, the way that, you know, supremacy works in America is that he's not doing it the way that white folks did it, so they're now having a problem with him. I wish he'd just tone it down a little bit. Don't be scared of black folks. We cool people. Mm. I just want to put that out there. Well, you know, that's good, man. This kind of reminds me of my powerhouse sports talk radio days. Let me, let me tell you something. Uh, what, what he is doing is phenomenal. And, and like you said, we, t- we talked really about this is. a little bit uh, in the last segment of how, you know, this once in a generation, you see these things and you say, wow, what Deion Sanders has done for college football is amazing. And you're right, Jerome. I never was a big college football fan, but I watched every Colorado game. And the reason why I wasn't a fan, Mr. Elias, was because I felt that these universities were taking advantage of these of these kids. How the coach is the most the coach is the he's the highest paid faculty member on most big college campuses because he's the one to bring the revenue in. They make millions and millions of dollars on uh, TV deals and the coach line his pockets uh, when his team wears a certain shoe brand and everybody's making money off these kids with the exception of the kids. And so now that the kids can, you know, got, they got a little skin in the game and like Jerome talked about the NIL, now I'm, I'm, I'm kind of tuned in now. And this is because of Dion. And I think, when you brothers tell me if you agree with this, I think that this scenario is going exactly how it should go. What I mean by that is this, that right now those kids will run through a brick wall for Deion Sanders. And at the end of the day, it started off the way it needed to. He needed to have money in that account before he withdrew money from that account. And what I mean by that is, is that those first three wins was perfect. It brought all the attention to Boulder. It got everybody fired up. 
they're saying that their merchandise has gone up 810%. All their games are sold out. Anybody who's anybody wants to be on the sideline. They're doing the Shadur. They're doing all these things. They lost to Oregon. Not, they lost to uh, yeah, they lost to Oregon. And you say, okay, mm-hmm. you know, they got punched in the mouth right there. Right. And then they lose yesterday. Now, I'm going to tell you this. Had they lost, got their ass beat down again two weeks in a row, he would have had a problem on his hands. Because at some point, the kids stopped doubting. A kid that continued, uh, let me tell you something, I used to be a head coach, but I'm going to tell you this, that kids will run through brick walls for you as long as they believe in the message. When they don't believe in the message, that's when they start fading on you. So the best thing that happened to Dion and the Colorado Buffaloes was that they came back and then they pulled that game off yesterday. Because now the belief is still there. They know now they can run with a top-ten program, a top-tier program in college football. But had they got their behind blew out yesterday, he would have really, we would have really had to have seen his coaching chops because now Jay, people are like, wait a minute, what's going on? Wait a minute. Let me add this to it. You know his mm-hmm. son, Shiloh, didn't play, right? Right. He's their leading tackler. He's like That's the true. leading, I think he's like second in the conference or something in just solo tackles. And yeah. Travis Hunter is out. So I don't right. think that even if they lost that game, they would have lost confidence because when those two come back, they are still going to be a monster. That that team is really good in their skilled positions. So losing yeah, losing two games when they only won one last year, they are yeah. a thousand times ahead. And so it's not just the yeah. money. I, get, I guarantee you Shador, their quarterback, is going to make more money in his NIL this year than most college head coaches. <laughs> that is hilarious. Well, that's true. I agree. Well, hell, they're, they're doing it now. And, and the only thing, you know, listen, I agree with you on that. And, you know, I was listening to a commentator the other day saying, look, you know, we can point these things out, but other programs have, made, you know, folks out too, you know, next man up. The, the problem, the core, their issue is that they're light up front. And it all, you know, people wonder why offensive linemen make all the money, make the big, big dollars in the NFL. They're they're small up front. I mean, this guy is the most tackled, number two, he's the most tackled quarterback in college football. And so you've got to get big up front. If you don't have those dogs up front, you can have all the best skilled players in the world. If he can't get the ball to him, he can't get the ball to him. And so a lot of that stuff was, you know, kind of playground football because he had flushed out of the pocket. Plus, Mr. Elias, they have him on film too. So people are starting to prepare for him. And I remember I was watching – um, a little bit of uh, um, what's the, the show with Skip Bayless uh, on, and Keyshawn Johnson's on there now, uh, and um, they talked about how other coaches are providing so much information to upcoming opponents for Colorado because everybody wants to see that man fail. Everyone wants to see Deion fail. Your thoughts, Miss Elias, on Colorado. And thanks, Jerome, for bringing this up. Man, I was thinking about this the other day. But uh, yeah, Miss Elias, your thoughts. Please, man. Look, man. They, they always want to see a brash brother fail. This man is brash, and he talks, he talks trash, but he usually backs his stuff right up. Think about him in the NFL and 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 Major League Baseball. This guy is the first guy that that has played in a, in, in the Super Bowl and and the World Series. And in yeah. a home run, he called a touchdown. He's the only oh, guy, right? Look, man. Yeah, Brian Jordan. Brian Jordan. 
Brian Jordan did it, right? Didn't Brian Jordan do the same thing? No. No, but Dion did it in the same week. He did it in the same week. Okay. Okay. Yes. Right. I thought Brian Jordan did it, too. But this brother's brash, man, and he talks trash. And then, you know, they they want to see any, like, the the same thing that Muhammad Ali did. What did he do? He came in the league, he came into the boxing talking trash, and and what they want to do, I want to see somebody beat this guy out. I want to see somebody do this to him. Anybody that's like that, they want to see him, that's brash like that, and that can back (laughs) it up, they want to see somebody get, they want to see somebody, they want to see him fail. And that's all they want to see yeah. Dion do is fail. And, I, and, you know, and when he succeeds, because he's succeeding in life, man. This guy's helping. He's, he's turning these, these boys into men. And that, that's, that's yeah. the best thing he could ever do in life, man. And that's what people are failing to realize. When you see Dion talking, when he talked about a guy that hit Travis Hunter, he said, look, that guy just made a football play. He made a football play. It was wrong what he did. Let's forgive him. Why are we prosecuting this young man? This is a young man. Why are you prosecuting him? He's and, making, and kudos, and kudos he's to Travis his, Hunter. His boys in the men. Yeah, and kudos to Travis Hunter because if you follow him on YouTube, the guy who actually I can't remember the young man's name who hit him, uh, they got together and did a video together and they went bowling together. So um, you know, Travis Hunter was like, "Hey man, don't worry about it. It's about football." He, he seems to be a good kid. Now, just kind of. I'm, down earth kid. I'm going to disagree with you. You know I'm going to disagree with both of you on this. Oh, what? I, okay, so so first of all, that um, the play was a, was a football play, but it was a dirty play. He should have been ejected. And oh, I agree with that. The problem is is that we had a um, uh, there was a game yesterday, or yeah, it was yesterday that this kid stepped on this guy's helmet like he's he, while he was down, he was hurt, and a player stepped on his face mask, like on his helmet, and the school yeah. suspended him. That dude okay. did something. He could have caused a spinal injury. Shador was hit uh, when he got tackled up under his face mask with somebody's helmet. The coach is responsible for that because you know in football – People are setting presidents like take them out and blah blah blah. But with the injuries that's going on, the the CTE and all of that stuff going, when you have dirty plays and that's encouraged by the coach, or you're putting that in to intimidate a team, somebody needs to be fined or punished for it. So I don't forgive a damn soul because if if I was that child's parent, then I would be wanting recourse for that because your bodies are too fragile. You cannot say that anymore. That hey. He made a play, and I understand from Dion's standpoint, Dion's a gamer. Those guys are like, they don't have to, to have any, any hostility towards a football play. But as a leader in, this, in our community, we need to make sure that people are not targeting us because they don't like the way we're going about doing our business. They're targeting Dion. They're targeting these kids, and they're encouraging that. And then when we look at other um, plays that happen when people are targeting folks, they get harsher penalties. But we're not, I'm not forgiving them for doing that to them. They knew what the hype was over that kid. They knew he was the best player on the team. He targeted him. That was not a football play on any other player but the best player on their team. And so Where's I cannot, the disagreement, though? Where, where, where are you? I didn't, the disagree with me. Is, I agree with you. What are you talking well, about? no, no. I'm saying the difference. 
disagreement is the marketing of forgiving the people who are causing harm. We did we did this, and I can go back, like, history-wise, that Rodney King gets beat down, and he's like, can we all get along? We cannot continue to do that when somebody's doing something egregious. There needs to be a corrective measure. You can't just say, oh, I forgive you, without there being some kind of – it wasn't on Travis to forgive him for hurting him. It was on the guy from Colorado to come out and and say his piece. But instead, they used a black dude to forgive him for the for something that he did to him. Psychologically, we do this in this country so much that we don't know the difference. It's like, oh, I go to church and God told me to forgive somebody. That is just damn dumb. We need to understand that when you are targeted, I don't care if it's in sports or the police department shooting somebody, it is not your responsibility for forgiving the person who committed a crime against you. That's what I, that's what I don't like. The University of uh, Colorado State did not sanction them. He didn't say, yep, he got away for it on the field, but that's not the type of thing that we do here. Where another university just did that to a player yesterday. Mm-hmm. Just said, hey, you, did, you mm-hmm. stepped over the line. We're not raising them kind of people. Dion says that about his team. Right? I don't know if you guys ever saw the clip where he brought in all the women on the staff, the trainers, and yeah, he told that. all of the players, if I hear you, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. He said, I know some of y'all are not old enough for that, but you're going to be respectful for, for, to ladies, for women. Right? If I hear about you having an issue with your girlfriend, you having any of that, you're gone. You're gone. He set a precedent on how to handle respectfully dealing with another human being. Your jealousy and all of that stuff is not for you to be like, you know, because that dude Blackburn, not only did he hit him and he knew it was wrong, he stood over him to taunt him. So you tell him I'm going to forgive you if you taunting me when you did something that you knew was wrong? He didn't, he didn't jump up and be like, oh, are you all right? His ass taunted him. So stop forgiving people for intentionally doing stuff to you. That, that burden is not on you. And I think the image of doing that is we're hailing, you know, Colorado and Travis and, and, and Deion Sanders as, you know, it's good that they did that. F that. We don't have to keep doing that. So outside of that sports arena, outside of the University of Colorado, outside of Travis Hunter and his family, I am telling you that that shit is not acceptable. We need to stay focused, and we need to understand that once you lay a a brick on the foundation, you're building on that same brick, and you're still saying that we should forgive people who are taking shots at us unfairly. There needed to be some justice and some recourse when that happened. So that's all I want to say. That's where I disagree because I'm not proud of them for doing that. I watch this stuff. I watch the social media. I watch those two together. I watch, I'm like, stop it. Stop it. That, that, is, that is why we have problems around with inequity when it comes to people of color because we always have to suck it up and forgive people who are doing stuff to us. Always have to do that. I don't even, uh, I don't even accept um, Colorado State coach for having an attitude towards um, Colorado like that. Dion, their whole team does not – Dion said this. We don't look at our opponents 
and say to them, let's go out and kill them. I'm saying we're going to play our game. Dion's not even that kind of person, right? But that hate and vitriol that's going towards Dion is coming from someplace specific. It is coming from someplace that is that we need to deal with at at our you know in somebody else's pathology. Dion smiled in front of cameras, and to Dion's credit, you have to remember if you're old enough when Dion came out of Florida State. The reason that Dion was making a spectacle of Dion, right, is because they didn't pay cornerbacks that kind of money in the NFL. Dion had to be his own marketing and publicist yeah. at that point. Yeah, he he created primetime. So, yeah, that's that's on record. Yeah, right. He created that. So when Muhammad Ali did it, boxers do that to get more tickets, to get more people in the stands, right, or or people more viewers. So don't mistake mm-hmm. that for their personality and saying, oh, it's crazy because they're they are hyping themselves up. No. He's getting those kids NIL deals. He, he's making sure Colorado, they're making a ton of money off of him. For one, Colorado's, um, their athletic director, said when he signed Dion there that they didn't even have the money to pay him. And by that summer, the boosters gave them $28 million. Dion's contract, you know, somebody had something in there saying, um, a, a, um, a statement saying that they should renegotiate um, Dion's contract right now because Dion is worth probably a billion dollars to that university. Yeah, it's a former. Because, uh, uh, he's a, he's an alum of uh, Colorado. He's the uh, Olympic skier. Yeah. yeah, that guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because because in the bigger picture, if they lure him away, all of that attention, Snoop ain't gonna be on nobody else's sidelines. Jay Z ain't gonna be there. You're not gonna have Lil Wayne opening. All of that stuff is Dion. Dion's bringing attention to them, which is bringing marketing, which is bringing media revenue to a school that's worth a billion just right off the rip. Former NFL players, T. Owens, um, Terrell Owens. You have, what's my name, um, who played for, Once for that, Miami. You have, uh, uh, you have uh, Michael with, Irvin. With, you have all those guys there. Yeah, I forgot who the guy who's coming on staff, though. Um, he was uh, Warren Sapp. Um, Warren Sapp. Warren Sapp. You, where are you going to get yeah. these guys? Now, nobody's giving them coaching opportunities anyplace else. But when those names come to Dion, now you're, bring, you're bringing a whole culture that's bringing in revenue for the university. That's why they're not complaining, or they're not going to ever complain. But the fact is, is that he's changing the paradigm where other universities cannot duplicate it because they don't want to get rid of the comfort that they have in the folks that's already there, right? right. So I'm, what I'm saying is that we externally – need to be protective of those people who are not protecting themselves. Dion is a football coach. He is a, a, a probably the best player who ever played his position. And mm-hmm. we need to actually look at life when it comes to protecting those kids very differently than acting like one of the kids. We don't have to forgive people for hurting them. We need to be protective of them. Alrighty then. So Travis Hunter, if you're listening, what he said. All right, time to take a break. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. We'll be right back after this. Don't you go anywhere. You're listening to the Serious Out on a beautiful Sunday. Thank you for spending a portion of your day with us. We'll be right back.
But I wanted to take this show, uh, at least this portion of the show, to kind of talk about those things, right? Because, you know, there are people who may be going through divorce. Um, There may be people out there who just lost a child through, you know, childbirth. Um, You know, there may be people out there who may have lost a job or people out there who don't know where their next you know, meal's going to come from. And, and, and look, I'm not going to say we're going to have all the answers for you, but what I will say and what I will promise is that we'll have a positive discussion about it for the next 10 minutes to, to see if we can reach someone who may be going through things like this. Um, you know, depression is real. And when people talk about depression, and I'm not by no stretch of the imagination some, you know, psychiatrist or anything like that, so please, and I don't even play one on TV, but you know, I live this earth. I live on this earth. I, I live this life. And, and you know, and life is not always cracked up uh, the way we want it to be or the way we think it should be for us. There are people out here who are working hard, and they're not making any money. They're not making any real money. There are people out here who are really, you know, not really doing a hell of a whole lot. And, you know, it just seems to me that riches are falling upon them. So what I want to do is, just have just the, I don't know if you want to call it a barbershop discussion. I just want to spend a few minutes to just talk about things, and, and maybe, just maybe, it will reach someone. There, You know, I, there's so many things I've gone through in life. You know, I, I think about, you know, when it comes to child custody and, and all those different things. I, I remember um, a young guy, you know, talked to me about how he's trying to be a father to his kids and, X won't let them be in a life, and you know, and I couldn't understand that until I went through that. And so, I don't. I, I guess what I want to do is ask each of you brothers. You know, and it could be something that someone approached you about a long time ago. It could be something that, you know, someone approached you about recently. It could be something that you may have even gone through. But I think the power of positive thinking. I didn't realize how many people actually listen to this show. You know, we don't have a huge live audience, but my God, you know, if we were in syndication or whatever you want to call that, there are a lot of people that listen to this show, a lot of downloads to this show on a weekly basis. So, you know, I'm not sure if everybody's listening to all these downloads, but I know we get quite a few. And so we are a voice to some folks. And every now and then, I think we need to stop and, you know, share these experiences with people and try to give them something, you know. So, Mr. Ellis, I'm going to start with you, man. I mean, it could be anything. It could be something that someone said to you, uh, you know, uh, you know, this year, last year, 10 years, whatever, something. Just give someone a positive thought, man, on anything. Just hopefully we can reach somebody with this conversation this morning? Well, you know something, man? I, um, a lot of people, man, where I I used to work at, you know, one guy told me when I retired that I affected his life in in, in a way that I would would never understand. I couldn't understand that because I, I was just doing what I thought I was supposed to do. And, I guess by doing what I was supposed to do, 
it affected his life, man, because now the guy is making, uh, you know, he was making, he, he was he was in a, uh, he started out as a uh, as a watch guy. Now he's a full-fledged mechanic, and he's and he's he's making big bucks now. And, and I got and I got them. I pushed the management to make this guy that because he had been there so long. And they they was like, oh, he's gonna have a skill. I said, how do you know you don't have a skill unless you give him a chance? So and he told me, said I affected his life like that. And I never seen it like that. I just thought I was just doing doing what I was supposed to do. You know, but, you know, to me, it does not hurt to help someone. You know, I, I went to the store the other day, and this older lady was sitting there on, the school, on, on one of those car scooters that's in the grocery store. And she said, sir, do you mind, can, can you give me a, uh, can you give me a ride to Dunkin' Donuts? I said, where's Dunkin' Donuts? And she said, it's right up the street. I said, oh, by all means. So I, I put her in my car, and all the words, she said, hey, I don't mean to be a, 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 a Pushy, but can you, can you just make one more stop? I said, by all means, it does not hurt to help people. It does not hurt to reach out and, and be kind to someone. And that's what's missing in the world today is kindness. With, 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 with so much, you know, homelessness and, you know, people in despair and, and, and people that are, it's too much greed in this country, man. So, it does not hurt to help someone and give them a hand up because at some point in time, I was in that same position. So that, and that's why I think we, we, we miss out and we forget. Once we get a little something, we're like, oh, psh, I ain't got to go back down there. I, I still, I still to this day go help people out, man, because you could be in that same position one day. So that's that to me, that's what we all got to remember. To always reach back and help somebody out, you got to help pull that next generation up with you. You got to help pull somebody out because if you don't do it, man, we become a selfish nation, and that's something I don't ever want to see. I want to see us be a nation of givers. Well, what about you, Jerome? Um, I'm pretty sure your life experiences you have encountered so many different people in different situations. Anything you want to want to share, man, to, to just, just the, the, the thought that the thought of, uh, you know, positive thinking, man, people that may be out there dealing with something that uh, their family members may not know of, or, you know, who knows? I mean, a lot of people listen to us. So any, anything that you want to add to this that you want to say, you know, I listen, I, I am one of those people that, uh, you know, if you send me something I can respond to, but I'm never, you know, there's never anything off the top of my head um, to speak about. But I will say this, is that even though even on this show, as I'm making us aware of problems, all is not lost. And, you know, I know we're bombarded with images, like negative images on the news where people are like, oh, I don't like the news, it's, it's, it's too negative. It's only negative because that's how they get viewers. But there is so much more in life and why you should be here that you can change on the fly. And sometimes it doesn't seem like that or it doesn't look that way because of where you are choosing to be sometimes, right? Sometimes we can't help it. Sometimes our bills, like, are overwhelming. But at some point, you have to be easy on yourself because you'll start to draw anything that you ask for. 
So I know that seems like a lot when you are in the moment, and we've all been there. And um, But you just have to remember to ask anybody, um, even if they seem in a good mood, how did you get out of being in a dark place? Because I can almost guarantee at a 90% rate, everybody has been where you are at some point, and there's a way to come out of it. So when I speak to students, whether they're college students or high school students, and I like to remind them when they're young, I'm like, you, this is a blip on, your, on the screen. I don't remember anybody who I went to college with. <laughs> I shouldn't say anybody, but I don't remember a lot of them. I don't remember a lot of people who I went to high school with. You know what I mean? Like they're impacting your life, even for people who get married and they're divorced early. You know, I th- there are a ton of examples of people in their second marriage or whatever being happier than their first. They're going to stop people from getting married because they had a bad relationship. So you have to live long enough to see, and this is in the words of Tupac, he said, Hopefully I'll live long enough to see how stupid I was in the moment, which means that everything is always crucial to you in the moment, but you have to be able to look back to figure out that what it is that you see in real time wasn't as crucial as it was to you in real time. So the only thing I can say is that you have to find it in your, in your, um, in your spirit a little bit, to understand that there's something else. Once you know that there's something else, you'll start looking for something else, and then that will lead you someplace else. So you just have to be easy on yourself and just kind of look to speak to people, especially when you're depressed, speaking to people who you normally don't talk to. Because if the, the your environment around you is keeping you in a certain space, you have to get outside of that. So whether you're at a grocery store, and like LES's experience, I – I do get that, you know, where I'll speak to anybody, you know, whether it's the cashier, you know, at, my, at the grocery store who's not looking right. very happy that day. I will usually mm-hmm. speak to them and say, okay, you're not having a good day, are you? And then they'll mm-hmm. end up talking because a lot of people are ignored. We all, that's a that's the thing about guys generally. We don't, uh, you know, I had a, sorry for running out about this, but I had a, a conversation mm-hmm. with someone recently about this is that, Guys are usually oppressed in society because if you don't have anything, people need to know that you have something on your mind. You have to already have money to have a girlfriend. Like you have all of these different pressures that doesn't allow you to, you know, express emotion a lot of times, and that's frowned upon. So you, you always have to find somebody and say, how did you get over this? Because we all had to do it. We all had to be there. So. Yeah, look outside of your own circle um, and just speak to somebody who you normally don't speak to. Now, some of them, again, may not be um, <laughs> may not be worthy of that, but I guarantee you, you you'll be led to speak to somebody who can hear you. Just say something. Wow, you know, I don't think it's a secret. Everybody knows that uh, you know my mother has dementia, and. Uh, you know what the thing is, is that um, after you go through something, uh, you talk to other people and you realize that they've traveled down this path as well. Um, you know, for me, um, it's it's difficult um, because of the fact that, you know, my mother, who was an educator, 
for, you know, almost 50 years of her life. Uh, her brain is her, was her most powerful muscle. I mean, she's one of the smartest people that I've ever met. And, and I really and truly mean that. I'm not saying it because she's my mother. But, um, uh, you know, when we, when the signs first, uh, when the signs were first there, I mean, you know, we didn't know. I, I didn't know. I I remember just having conversations, and I'm like, why are you asking me this over and over and over again? Now, you know, hindsight 2020, I feel horrible because we just didn't know and it wasn't diagnosed at the time. And, you know, I remember I was standing in the store. Uh, I was in line, and um, and I was talking to my mother, and this guy that was behind me, he kind of tapped me on my shoulder. He said, hey, man, he said, how you doing? I say, hey, brother, because like you, Jerome, when I see people, I'm very outgoing. I always speak to people when I see them, uh, you know, because you never know uh, whose day you can brighten up. But just saying something like, hey, nice shoes or whatever the case may be. And I remember him tapping me on my shoulder, and he said, hey, man, he said, look, he said, I can tell this is new. And I'm looking at him like, you know, who the hell are you, you know? And so we uh, we talked and he was telling me about his journey with a parent who had dementia. And when I tell you, out of all the things I've read, out of all the people that I've had conversations with afterwards, that was the most powerful conversation I had because this brother really caught me at the beginning of this because I didn't know how to deal with it, and I still struggle with it to this day. Um, if you have a parent that, that that's, you know, that, that has dementia and, and, you know, she's kind of going through some things or he or she or, you know, mother or whomever it may be. Now don't ask yourself why me because I think when we ask why me, I think the question should be why not me. And, and, and I'm no different than anyone else that walks this earth. You know, trials and tribulations that life has dealt me has been a burden that I've had to, to bear, um, you know, and I've always tried to stay positive with my mom. When I talk to my mother, you know, I'll talk to her. She'll sometimes, someday she'll call me like six times in a row, and each time when I talk to her, she'll say something along the lines of, uh, you know, hey, I hadn't talked to you in a long time when I had just spoken to her 10 minutes ago. Um, and I always stay positive, and I try to make her laugh, but there are times when I hang up the phone and I just bust into ears. Because I'm like, oh, my God, you know, why my mother? Why why is this happening to us? Um, so what I try to do is I try to stay positive. So it's always trying to make her laugh. And I guess for anyone who's, you know, within the sound of my voice and, and you may be experiencing something like this, I guess the best advice I can give you, you know, three years in, is just think about it from this perspective. You still have your parent if it's your parent. You still have this individual. There are things that they can still recall, at least in my mother's case. And I try to focus on those things. I try to focus on the good times. And I try not to think about the things that, um, you know, the obvious. So I guess for anyone, you know, who may be dealing with it, just take that as advice and take solace in the fact that you are spending this time. And even though, you know, the person may not remember having this conversation or having a conversation with you 30 or 40 minutes later, keep digging. If you keep, keep digging, because when I talk to my mom and she'll say she don't remember something, I'll just keep going and she'll, it'll, it will eventually, she will, 
we will recall it eventually. And so that's just the positive impact that I try to try to you know walk away with uh, on this. But um, I hope that you know we were able to you know put some advice out there for some people, and I hope that um, that you can walk away from this conversation with something. We'll be right back after this. Online radio at its best. Today, nearly one in five Americans are living with a mental health condition, from our children and grandparents to our veterans, co-workers, and neighbors. 
for all of us, our mental well-being is just as important as our physical health. But unfortunately, most of us don't know how to recognize the signs that someone is in emotional distress. And so many of those who are having difficulty can't get the help they need. And together, we can change this. We can start by visiting changedirection.org and learning the five signs that may mean someone is struggling and needs help. And then it's up to us to show compassion, to reach out, to connect, help folks find the hope and the support they need. Together, we can change the story about mental health in America. Together, we can change direction. Online radio at its best. Welcome back. 347-850-1272. It is the serious side of the J. Ryle Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio at its best. Of course, I'm Jay. Thank you, thank you, thank you for spending a portion of your day with us. But it's time to say good morning to my brothers from another mother, the smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome Spree is in the house, man. Good morning, Jerome, man. How are you on this beautiful Sunday morning? Man, I'm good. How are you? I'm good today. Doing well, brother. Doing well. I'm doing good, man. Thank you so much for asking, my brother. The man who gets the first and last word here on the serious side, the one and only Mr. L to the E to the S. Good morning, sir. How are you? Well, good morning, good morning, good morning to you. And good morning, Nessa. Good morning, Kathleen. Good morning, Rich Sister. Good morning, Will Dillard. Good morning, Momo B. Good morning, Mary the Music. And Mary the Music, that first song was called Summer 2000 by Jeannie Ikeo. And the last song was called Comfortable by uh, Sacramento Doll, Lucky Witherspoon. And good morning, my brother Hawk, and good morning, my brother Jerome. Still, yes, can we say hello to some folks in the world-famous chat, if you don't mind, sir? By all means, we got Covina Man and Yacht Jockey is in there with us. What's going on, fellas? What's happening? What's happening? All right, Jerome, man, uh, are we doing a uh, on a need-to-know basis since I messed up and said that earlier in the show? Are we getting down this today with that? Are we going to get an addition today? Yeah, yeah, I guess we have to get one since you already announced it, so yes. <laughs> We're getting one. <laughs> yeah, cause you don't have people writing, writing you uh, talking about how I'm not holding up on my end of the deal. There it is. Oh man, so we've had a great show today. A lot of things we talked about. It's always good to have a you know a, a, a Sunday morning roundtable because people get a chance to kind of talk about what they want to talk about. And sometimes we go off script, and it's a good thing. Now, something I did talk about uh, in the few minutes we have. Uh, you know, Jerome, it looks like Trump's his. Uh, Oh, they say hell off star. Folks, wait a minute. We said what's happening to the pastor. How you doing? What's going on? Uh, Brent Scene is checked in. Uh, who? Monique. Is this Monique? All right, Monique is checked in. We got a lot of people checked in. I'm pulling comments down. I will pull them down. Uh, man, I'll pull them down here in a few minutes, I promise. Um, a few minutes here, though, before we, you know, get out of here. Um, so it looks like we're going to see, you know, the Pied Piper of Westminster in court, Jerome. This stuff's going to be, some of this stuff's going to be broadcast. And we're going to be able to see his demeanor and some of this stuff that's taking place. Good or bad that we can be able to see this court play out on television. What, what do you think, man? This whole thing with Donald Trump. Man, 
I don't, I don't even know where to begin, but I'm going to tell you that they're going to have a problem buying into he's being persecuted when all of this stuff come out in court. I think that's what they usually fight and delaying it so that you don't actually know the specific evidence that came out. Mueller held back on Trump so you didn't get all his Trump stuff, but Michael Cohen has been out there telling you this man has yeah. been cheating and all this stuff for years and now that they're putting it out in court you know the interesting thing about it is the judge said we don't even need a trial you're guilty so they didn't yep. even bought in the jury <laughs> that's, that usually doesn't happen it's perfectly legal but he was like there's just overwhelming evidence that you just lied so I mm. think the irony that Letitia James um, Fannie Willis uh, Fannie Willis and all these other black prosecutors are going at them, but the white folks have been letting him off for years. I think there's something to be said that they're not coercing him or bribing him or trying to appeal to their whiteness because you can't. So mm. I think it's going to be interesting to watch this stuff on TV. Mm. You know. So do you, do you think it's going to get OJ trial? I was great to say that. Do you think it's going to get OJ trial numbers? Um. It's going to get more than OJ numbers because, you know, one of the things I'm going to talk about in the next um, hour is about the blind side. Like that whole trope of black people being villains is like watching, uh, um, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street for white folks. So that's why it got numbers because there was a white victim and a black person. That's always going to get numbers with white folks. This one, since it's political, is going to get numbers because this is going to history. Putting all this stuff on the public record is something that people are going to be learning about in their history classes about a corrupt president for eons. Mm. We, how we almost edge. This has historical reference where, mm. where OJ was about saving the purity of whiteness. OJ didn't even kill that woman, but it made a lot of people upset that some famous black guy was going to get away with something. And they still can't mm. believe that he didn't kill her. Which is, which is the irony of how, you know, our society thinks and how it works. They still want to believe that he did that, even though he was acquitted, or he wasn't even acquitted. He just was not convicted of it, and we still want to believe something. But in this, in this, in this Trump case, the people who don't want to believe it will start to see evidence of why he did what he did. He's already been convicted. He's been convicted of sexual assault or sexual whatever, misconduct or whatever. Um, He lost that case. He's losing money. In the New York case, he's going to probably, if he gets to keep those buildings, he's going to have to pay somewhere in the neighborhood of $250 million, which we know he does not have. So he's going to have to sell his property anyway. Yep. So watching that trial on TV is going to be must-watch TV just to look at the face, look at his face. That he's being prosecuted because he cannot believe that he should be prosecuted. That's where yeah. his interest is going to I agree with you on that. Mr. Elias, real quick, man. So the uh, government shutdown was avoided. They just kicked the can down the down the street for 45 days. Kevin McCartney, man, is this guy, you know, he, he, Democrats had to get him across the finish line on this uh, because obviously the – the, the, the kids and the idiots in his party are fighting him. So now they're talking about they're going to put a vote, you know, they're going to put a, a vote to, to, to remove him as a speaker. What do you think, man? Uh, first of all, your thoughts on the shutdown, and do you think he's uh, Kevin McCartney's going to su- 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 survive this whole thing? 
No, I, I don't think he's going to survive because Matt, Matt Gates is going at them with a reckless abandonment. You know, cause, <laughs> because he don't do what Matt Gates said. They, these are, they're acting like kids, man. You don't do what I yeah. say, I'm going to come after you. And then yeah. this clown, even after he passed the bill on the floor, he, mm. he tried to have him shut it down in the wall. I'm like, what is wrong with this cat? Why is he trying? And they, did, and they were passing nothing but to hurt poor people. Everything they put out there was to hurt poor people. It was not to hurt mm. the 1%. It was to hurt poor people. They wanted to take away the, the SNAP benefits. They wanted to take away. They wanted to tap Social Security. These people mm. are, and for all you people who are not listening and don't care, when they take it away, you're, what do what, what the Democrats do? No, it's what the Republican Party is doing to you right as we speak. And you clowns are not even paying attention. And you want real quick. How come Trump is not being charged criminally on 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 that on this on this on this uh, trial? And which one? In New York. Yeah. From New York. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because because the tax evasion occurred for the Trump organization, so it's a business. It's their business company, right? So your board of directors are responsible. So the financial. Liability is on them, so they're taking away all of their permits or their certification to allow them to do business in New York State. So the federal government needs to charge him with IRS tax evasion. That's the federal's issue. So being that federal is prosecuting him in another area, then they can criminally make him liable. Because you can go to jail for filing fake tax information, but that's a federal charge. And I think federal... The Mueller, because Mueller knew about all this stuff. That's why New York State had to prosecute him under New York State law, because federal didn't charge him doing the Mueller, Mueller investigation. They knew, because okay. they pulled his tax information. All right, so, I got to jump again, in. We, 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 go I'm sorry, yeah, go ahead. We, we got to get out of here. So you, you finish your thought, because we got to get out of here. Yeah, so, he, so we're still talking about the protection at the federal level of them not charging him because he was president, and that's why he's counting on... Um, running now and being elected so that people will have the courtesy of not charging him. Not because he's not guilty, because they don't like to charge the president um, of crimes because we tell everybody else across the world that we're above all of this. There you go. Good stuff. All right. Let's talk about taking a real quick break. We'll be right back with uh, Pastor Steve State's case on our final thoughts. A suicide bomber detonated an explosive device in the Turkish capital of Ankara early today. Authorities there say a second assailant was killed in a shootout, Ari Vizcarin reports. The explosion occurred just outside the Ministry of the Interior. In a statement, Turkish Interior Minister Ali Yerlikaya said two policemen were slightly injured in the shootout, but did not share information about the suspects who carried out the attack. They appear to have driven a van to a gate at the ministry's entrance before detonating the device. Police temporarily cordoned off access to the center of Ankara. The attack occurred just hours before an opening ceremony for the Turkish parliament, which is returning from a summer recess. Last November, a bombing in a busy shopping district of Istanbul killed six people. For NPR News, I'm Derry Buscarin. To Spain now, where rescuers are searching for those unaccounted for in a nightclub fire in the southeastern city of Murcia. At least 11 people are now confirmed dead. Murcia's mayor has declared three days of mourning. The fire is believed to have originated in a club that had joined two others. Video shared online shows raging flames and thick, dark smoke. 
In Slovakia, former Prime Minister Robert Fico is set to hold talks on forming a government after his party received the most votes in yesterday's parliamentary election. However, no party won a majority of seats, and Fico's rivals are pledging to try to prevent his return to power. Fico was pledged to end military aid to Ukraine and says he's ready to open talks on forming a coalition government. I'm Giles Snyder. This is NPR News from Washington. This message comes from NPR sponsor H-E-B, who is proud to present Our Texas, Our Future film, an original docuseries showcasing Texas' beautiful state parks, resilient wildlife, and the Texans helping to protect them. As Texas natives, H-E-B loves and is dedicated to putting Texas first, supporting the communities they serve while helping conserve and protect Texas for generations to come. Stream the series now at OurTexasOurFuture.com. There's a new way to support this show and public media. Please consider signing up for the NPR Plus podcast bundle. NPR Plus listeners get to unlock sponsor-free shows and bonus episodes. You can find out more at plus.npr.org. And thanks. All right, folks, it is time for Pastor Steve State Your Case, where we read comments from the world-famous chat room and from social media. We don't have anything in the chat, so I'm going to go ahead and read some things from uh, social media. First of all, the pastor checks in, and it says, uh, Peace and blessings, family. Always good to listen to my favorite show. Love Jerome's passion on the Travis Hunter topic. Jay, I have heard you reference Power Sports Radio on a number of occasions when did this show air? Okay, Pastor, real quick, it's Powerhouse Sports Talk Radio, and it aired a few years back. You should be able to find it. Then he checked back in, and he says, Jay, forgive me, because I usually have one comment, but after listening to the Power of Positive Thinking segment, I want to commend you, Mr. Elias and Jerome, for your comments. This is why this show is the best and should be heard on the national level. Appreciate you, Pastor. Francine from Dallas, Texas. OMG, thank you for the positive Thank you for the power of positive thinking. I was moved to tears. God bless you guys. Thank you, Francine. Derek Chicago, uh, the power of positive thinking should be a permanent segment. Kudos, guys. Thank you, sir. Seneca from uh, Memphis, Tennessee. Jay, thank you for sharing your story about your mother. I pray that God will continue to bless you and your family. Very touching. Thank you, Seneca. Uh, two more. Day-Day from Washington, D.C. Day-Day. Uh, Okay, uh, I guess white people would call this show woke. <laughs> okay, Day Day. Let me read one more. Uh, which one? All right, here we go. Monique from California. Great tribute to <laughs> Diane Feinstein. One more thing. There's nothing more sexier. Ooh, I like this already. There's nothing more sexier than listening to three well-educated, good-looking black men spit knowledge on a weekly basis. Mmm, Monique, mm, get all these juice, get all these kisses, girl, get all these kisses. Mm. And on that note, you know what time it is. Online radio at its best. All right, folks, it is time for our final thoughts and. Uh, the smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome is free, man. You're up. Final thoughts, dog. Yeah, you know what? I don't really have – here's my final thought. I believe that anybody who used the word woke need to ask a black person what woke means. Thank you very much, mm-hmm. and I will see you later. All right, there you go. You'll be here all week. 
There you go. All right, the man that gets the first and last word here on the serious side, the one and only Mr. L to the E to the S man. Final thoughts. Look, folks, I say this every week. Get out and vote. And and I, I don't understand why everybody keeps telling me Joe Biden is so old. So what he's old. He's still doing the job. You know what? Right. How would how would how would you feel if you got Donald Trump in office and you can no longer vote? Because they're taking your vote, your right to vote away. So I don't give a damn how old he is. I'm voting for him. I don't care. Donald Trump is trying to stop me from voting. And that's been a proven fact in, in, in Alabama and in Wisconsin. So if you don't get out and vote, you don't have a voice, folks. That's going to be my that's gonna be my rallying cry. And, hey, look, if you don't like it, go listen to another show. There you go, Mr. Elias. Tell him change the channel. All right, listen, my final thoughts are going to be real quick. Uh, I want to say thank you. And um, and I pulled down a lot of comments. We ran out of show. That happens. Uh, but I want to say to people, thank you so much for your wonderful comments on that segment. Uh, I don't know. I was just moved to to, to, to say let's let's have a conversation about it. So I hope that it, you know, it hit somebody. I hope, you know, it resonated with some folks. And, you know, sometimes you're just flattered by some of these comments you read because we're just us. I mean, I don't look at myself any different than anybody else, but, you know, to have a positive impact on folks' lives and, you know, even the haters that check in, because we don't read your comments, just we get them, but we don't read them. Uh, but, but, uh, but we, but we thank you. We, we thank you. We thank you guys for this means so much to us. And Monique, one last time, you got it wrong. You said too well. It should have been too well educated, good-looking brothers, because you know one of them ain't that good-looking. All right. On that note, Miss Elliot. Me and Jerome. <laughs> you're right. Me and Jerome. You're right. Me and Jerome. I can't believe you're right. You're right. You're right. I can't believe you're right. Me and Jerome. You said it right. Jay always fight before he leaves. Everybody Jay. <laughs> Yeah, y'all, well, y'all, y'all, something else, man. But tell me, as if it's uh, Sunday and we're talking serious stuff, what time is it, my friend? It's time for the serious side of the J. Wow show. Folks, it's been a pleasure to serve you as always. So, for my main man, Mr. Jerome's friend, for that other dude, uh, I'm Jay Rouse saying, have a wonderful work week. And remember, if it's Sunday and we're talking serious <laughs> it is the serious side. Coming up next on a need-to-know basis with the smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome Spree. See you next week. Five, four, three, two, one. The first lady dazzles on election night in a... Tell me, what do you want me to do? I'm going to go that man again. It is time for On the Need to Know Basis with my main man, Mr. Jerome Street. Jerome, man, what do you have on the agenda for this morning show? Well, you know, I'm going to start off with, um, I, I just want to talk about the arrest of the guy who was, um, you know, involved with the Tupac shooting. I want to start off mm-hmm. with that, and just, you know, and, and I am going to talk about the the blindside case a little bit later. So that's you know a couple of things I want to talk about. But just generally, um, if you have not heard, L.A. Uh, um, Las Vegas detectives announced charges against a 60 year old um, gang leader is what they're calling them, 
of the murder of Tupac, um, who's been bragging about his involvement in years, for years. So this guy, um, Dwayne Keefe D. Davis, I, I used to watch all of these clips on him, like YouTube, of him talking about it, like he was in mm-hmm. a car and all this stuff. But he was taken into custody on Friday morning by Las Vegas detective and has been charged with murder and the use of a de- deadly weapon. Um, they said that um, he was the on-ground, on-site commander, right? They're saying that he organized it because everybody else in the car has died. So they went and um, literally kind of raided his house um, and took all kind of communication devices and computers. But they're saying that he confessed in all of these, um, you know, videos that he's been doing over the years. And he wrote, uh, uh, there's a Netflix documentary naming his nephew as the shooter. Orlando um, uh, Anderson. Yeah, with him bragging about his involvement in the killing in books and in interviews. So, I don't even know what to yep. say about this, that he told on him. he told on himself, apparently, is what they're yeah. saying. Because they said, when I, when I looked at the interview, by the way, Vanessa said good morning to everyone. So I'm letting you guys know. But when I looked at the interview, I was telling Jay earlier, they said, that the one police officer said, he got busted for a big drug charge. But because they knew he had involvement in a lot of gang activities, that he was like, you know, tell us what you know about the crimes. The, uh, crimes. And that's when he told them about the Tupac thing. And, and, and that's when he, they said they couldn't do anything because he, he, he made a, a plea deal with them as far as that goes, as far as them saying, for him telling that he couldn't, that he was, he, was, uh, he gave the gun to Orlando Anderson to shoot Tupac. So mm-hmm. they said once he started going on YouTube, talking about it, telling everybody, writing a book about it, then your dumb ass, yeah, it's, it's right. on you now. Because you dumb. Right, right. He he did that because again, just like in the Cosby case, whenever you um, whenever you cut a deal, like saying that okay, well I won't get um, prosecuted if you tell me the truth. He ends up doing that, but he kept at it. And there's other statutes that you can use. Like they may not be able to prosecute you, but somebody else can. You can get prosecuted federally. If the state chooses not to prosecute you. So murder charges, they're federal and state crimes. But that was an interstate crime because he was from Los Angeles, even though they killed Tupac in um, Vegas, that they can easily say that that his nephew crossed state um, state lines because he came from Los Angeles, but he was in the car with him. So you brought another charge, and I guess nobody probably told him that um, – you know, if you do this, if you keep talking about it, somebody else can bring charges, even if I can't. So since he confessed that um, they had no choice, they they didn't they didn't go back on their word. They they couldn't prosecute him, but it didn't mean he couldn't be prosecuted because they didn't release the statement he did. He started talking about it in the book and whatever. So whatever he told them was confidential. We missed all of that. Right, yeah, no, you did. Yeah, yep. So when I, when I saw that, I kept thinking that that is, you know, that that whole concept of 
I'm not going to say anything because it's going to get me in trouble. And then going ahead and saying something is kind of you telling on yourself is all that all that happened in that situation. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I thought how dumb was he to do that though? You know, you're sitting here telling these people what you did, and they say, okay, we're not gonna do anything to you. I mean, you just go out and write a book about it, and you sit on Vlad TV and talk about it. And I'm like, dude, you, you cannot be that smart. Yeah, and, and everybody knows Vlad is is pretty much documenting black culture and whatever is going on with that dude. I don't know if he's fed like other people keep saying, like. He's he's the police, but he damn sure is pro, is is um, getting like popular off of black folks' criminal stories, right? Yeah, and, he, Corey, and he's a, yeah, and you yeah, never see his face because Corey Holcomb said at one point in time he said Vlad wants him to do his show. He said, "Okay, I'll do your show if you do my show." And Vlad told him, "No, I'm not doing his show." He said, "I'm not doing your show." He didn't want people to see. Right. He didn't want to see mm-hmm. people to see him. Vlad, I think he's a, um, I mean, he's Jewish, but I don't know what Jewish sect he's from, right? And so here's always this, this dynamic we're placed with black and Jewish communities. Jewish communities can call anybody anti-Semite, right? But you can't talk about the exploitation of black people by Jewish people, right? So what happened is, what? I can't remember the comedian God, Godfrey, yeah, God really called him, him out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Called him out because he said something about Minister Farrakhan, right? Mm-hmm. Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, because he did nothing to black people that that, that makes us not respect him as honorable. Right. right. But for him, he's holding this old trope against this black man, saying that, mm-hmm. saying all of this stuff that was not true. And Godfrey said, you need to go back and apologize to Farrakhan if you want black people on here. And he said, I'm not doing that. Right? Yeah. Because now you're also showing bias against black people while actually um, troping these stereotypes of black people. So I heard you shot so-and-so. Whatever happened with this? And blah, blah, blah. And, he's there, you know, some black folks are fame-chasing or just want the clicks or to, to be seen. But he is acting as an agent of the same system that's exposing black people for negative stuff, and he needs to be called out for it. So he is damn sure hiding while he's making all this money. Um, you ain't want to have his face. Yep. Mm-hmm. Everybody said post. Everybody said post that dude's face anytime they see it. Yep, that's for sure. He, he sure yep. won't come out. He won't. He won't come out and say anything. He won't come out and. Yeah, I was like, wow. Yeah, that, that is true because you you'll see him in the, you'll hear him in the background, but he will not talk. He will not show his face. Yeah, and and now I think and I stopped watching this stuff a long time ago. Even when Godfrey went off on him and was like, "I'm not coming on here again." Not saying anything mm-hmm. about black folks who come on here, but I am telling you that he's a culture vulture, and we yeah. need to get a hold of. Um, we need to get a hold of this. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, you know, just just to a point where we start saying, okay, if we wanna if we wanna do something, fine, but we cannot let other people exploit us. We have to get over that. It's kind of like the um, conversation I was having about Travis Hunter. Nothing's wrong with those kids um, apologizing. That's not his job. He he has something else. But it's our job as adults to look out for our children, 
or Deion Sanders, he works at a college. He's supposed to, he's doing what he's supposed to do. But for us as a as society, um, as leaders, we need to see through propaganda. And this is another case of us saying we, we're seeing through propaganda. So, yeah, Vlad does that, and we need to kind of call him out for doing it. Because nobody yeah, would ever right. get that far. Yeah, we need to call him out. You know, yeah. now I, I actually, you know, on a side note, you know, when I hear stories about Bumpy Johnson in New York City and all this other stuff, that people have this really weird thing with black people and black folks who we who we consider to be law-breaking black folks, right? Yeah. And Bumpy Johnson, if you don't know, Bumpy Johnson was probably one of the the biggest mobsters that was black. Like, so even Lucky Luciano, I think he saved, you know, Lucky Luciano's life in jail. And so Al Capone had a slight, from the way I hear the story, had a problem with Bumpy Johnson, and Lucky Luciano said, look at his skin and look at mine, and you tell me what's different. Because Lucky Luciano was Sicilian, right? Mm-hmm. And you know anything about geography, Italy is really close to North Africa, <laughs> right? Yeah. So yeah. he... he it, and he said, Bumpy has planes, too, which means you can probably kill Bumpy, but Bumpy can kill you, right? So Bumpy had a mm. lot of respect in that world. Well, I actually had uh, know somebody who used to run numbers for Bumpy Johnson. Can you believe that? My two degrees wow. of separation in life, right? <laughs> and I, I remember I, I asked him a, a, about watching Gar, Godfather of Harlem, um, and he wouldn't watch it. And he said to me, he said because he was worried about them, the, the portrayal of him. Now that's dramatized. That's mm. not wow. Based, yeah, the first the first two shows literally kind of went through his life, you know, a little bit better, and then it was all fictionalized. So the whole um, sensationalized of the drama is um, is inside of the Forrest Whitaker's version of it. But Hoodlum with Larry Fishburne and Vanessa Williams yeah. is based on his wife's uh, memoirs. Okay. So that hoodlum is closer to Bumpy Johnson, and that's before he went to Alcatraz. So there's a before, and Forrest Whitaker comes out, the, the show starts after he gets out. My friend who, who worked for Bumpy, he said Bumpy came to his parents. He said he asked his parents. So Bumpy went to his parents and said, he is going to be okay if you allow him to run numbers. But Bumpy did not run drugs. So in that, that was, it's implied that he cut a deal to sell drugs. Bumpy did not do that. And so wow. that, yeah. So I, matter of fact, I will, I will bring him on the show, on this show at some point. Because I, I love firsthand accounts of stuff. But what happened was he said that, you know, if you were in Harlem at that time and you were hungry, Bumpy paid people rent. He didn't have to know you. You could, All you had to wow. do was say, I'm getting kicked out of my house. I don't have any money. They paid for the kids. Like, he rented out a ballroom for kids in junior high school to have a prom and gave them all limousines. Like, wow. he literally took care of the community. And then he said, you couldn't even steal in Harlem at that time. Bumpy did not allow that. He said, now, people used to boo stuff like they would steal and come sell in Harlem, but he would not 
allow them to do that, and he would not let the Italians come into Har- Harlem. So if you're going to play numbers, you had to play numbers through him, right? And he ruled pretty harshly on that front. But if you weren't in illegal activity, Bumpy was a nice person. He did not bother anybody, and he took care of his wow. people. Wow. Yeah. So no, nobody likes to tell that story because when we look at, you know, movies like The Godfather and all of those other stories, they let those guys tell the stories from their perspective, but from us, it always has to be tragic and really one-sided. Of Bumpy died of natural causes. He died of a heart attack in this. Um, in this, um, I forgot the name of the cafe. I know. I actually, I know another person who is from Harlem, who uh, father owned a business right across the street from where Bumpy passed. And he said, "Yeah, he was in there having breakfast, and um, he he had a heart attack. Wow. But he died of natural wow. causes. Nobody killed him." And he said, by the way, and then Harlem went off the rails after he passed because he he kept everybody out from doing harm to people in Harlem. But he definitely was a gangster. Like the movie um, Escape from Alcatraz that Clint Eastwood directed, the black guy who helped the people escape from Alcatraz was Bumpy Johnson. Really? Yes. He was the person that helped them escape. So... So he was so big that New York State, they didn't want to sentence him to Sing Sing or anything up this way. So they sent him all the way to the West Coast, and that's how big of a monster he was. He had power on the West Coast as well as he did on the East Coast. So nobody likes to tell Bumpy Johnson's story um, because I think for Hollywood, the only way to make a movie about black people is to put them in really bad lights because we don't own any of the distribution or anything. So it's like, yeah. you know, killing off Black Panther after it made uh, over $100 million that the next next Marvel series, the writers killed off Black Panther. There's, You know, it's a sick pathology, but that's a whole other story. But, yeah, we can't have good news. So any, anybody has any questions about that, we can go. I can go on for this for, for hours, but we won't go there. Now, I don't know if you saw that um, California's Governor Gavin Newsom vowed to pick a black woman uh, when, um, when yeah, um, Einstein. Einstein as her replacement. Mm-hmm. Did you see? Did you see any of that? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he didn't pick. He didn't pick the person yet, but I'm sure this is making going to make people upset because just like. Biden saying he's going to pick a black woman for Supreme Court. Um, you have to be now. Here's the irony of this: even for white men to do that, they can tell you you're going to do something and just do it. If Obama right. said I'm going to pick a black woman, people would call him racist, and he couldn't right. do that, and that don't make sense. And why don't you just get the most qualified candidate? He, they said I'm picking somebody black, and they're going to do it. So much respect mm. to them. Um, for doing that, to, to sticking to that. Like when people say, like you said, people calling Biden old, he's still one of the most, he's definitely the most successful legislative president ever. Exactly. In short exactly. So if we can get, I don't, you know, not wishing any illness on, on President Biden, but I can tell you, even if he stayed there for two years and then got out, it was two more years. It is better than not having him there. 
because I don't, I would not trust anybody else who came behind him. I definitely right. wouldn't have trusted Hillary Clinton or any of those guys coming. In. Dude, they're talking, those about, they're talking about people like they, they're saying the fact that Camilla, nobody wants to, you know, everybody's scared that if he dies in office, she's going to be president. They don't want that old Lord who can't have that. Right. Right. Long as it's not him, anything's better than him. Just beat yeah. her in the next election. Right. But, see that's how fairness works. You cannot sit there and say, um, we don't like him because of his you know, because who his secession order. But you have people like Matt Gates in there. He wasn't yeah. For sleeping with an underage girl when the guy who was with him got prosecuted. His butt <laughs> That's what's so office. funny to me. That is what's funny to me, man. These people yeah. get away with murder. And, and you know who they're talking about running for the next um, speaker, just in case um, McCarthy don't work out. It's the guy who had the sexual, the wrestling. Remember he was like a wrestling mm-hmm. coach? They were sexually assaulting boys Jordan. Jim Jordan, yeah. Jim Jordan didn't didn't prosecute him, and he's walking around here like his stuff don't stink. Right, right. He's Isn't on one it? of those side committees. That's funny to me. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's funny that they can call out somebody else's stuff while nobody's even mentioning theirs. That's like and they're that's calling out Hunter Biden about his yes. about him and his business dealing, but here you got Jared Kushner. Getting two billion dollars, ain't said nothing right. worried about. It. Yeah, Hunter Biden is getting prosecuted for something that nobody gets prosecuted for, right? He he had an income tax thing that he paid the money back. That dude was on drugs, so whatever happened to him during his drug time, you usually go, well, you didn't do it intentionally, and then when you had the money, you paid it, so. Technically, you pay a fine, get whatever, and you're out of there. But they literally want to charge him for a gun charge because mm-hmm. of him signing up for, like, for paperwork. <laughs> they usually suspend that and just take your gun license and be like, oh, you can't have a gun for X amount of years or whatever, and just keep it moving. But they're prosecuting him just because it's the, it, the political expediency of it. Like, it's like... Right in this time, we need to have something against them. But Jared Kushner gets $2 billion after he leaves the White House, and nobody thinks nothing of that? Didn't Trump just buy a gun as well? Yeah. Yeah, he's like, oh, I want to gun. he's not supposed to? Yeah, he was convicted of a felony. Yeah. No, it's because he was convicted of a felony. He He can't buy one. He won't pass background check. And why did he do one anyway? He got secret service. Buy a rifle. And he said he bought one. Yep. Hmm. And then then they came out and said that he didn't. Yeah. But I I guarantee you he has it. It's just like those uh, classified forms. He's like, oh, I don't have none. And then he was like, oh, they mine. So he can keep (laughs) changing his story all he wants to. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, that is crazy. Now, um, on trial in Switzerland last week, there was this former special forces soldier 
who gave detailed account about abducting and murdering three men in 1999, and he he, he denied being the executioner, but he he actually kidnapped them. Um, and the victim's daughters was sitting in court, like a few feet away from him. Right? They've been seeking 24 years of having some kind of recognition that happened to their fathers. And on Thursday, do you know, they ruled that um, um, they didn't convict them. They was like, oh, well, we're having entangled um, contradictions. He told them that he did it. He He abducted them. And they said, well, we're getting mixed messages here, and they let him off. They must have been white and the victims were black. Yeah, I should have played black or white, but it, the, the trial happened in Switzerland, and it was uh, the guys was from Belarus, so we know where this is going. They're Russian, but they actually uh, one of the, the daughters uh, of one of the guys who was uh, missing said the verdict was absurd and in contradiction of common sense. You can go in there and tell them that you did it, and they still was like, eh, "We're getting mixed messages." Uh, we don't know. Wow. And, yeah. Black people get sent to jail for stealing a slice of pizza. Yeah. And they could kill people and be like, um, yeah, I kidnapped him. Yeah, he died. But I, yeah, yeah. But I didn't, I didn't kill him. <laughs> right? Somebody else killed him. I didn't, I yeah, didn't, somebody else didn't kill Somebody else killed him. Right. So, so he gets convicted of nothing? Not even a kidnapping? Of course not. Anyway, yeah. See, you can see where where stress lives in our lives all day if we pay too much attention to this nonsense. Uh, now, there's a, a, a teenage girl who was struck by lightning while hunting with her father in Florida. Now, that child yeah. just died. This girl, um, Bailey Holbrook, who was 16, she and her father both was hit by lightning. Um, they were both hit. Uh, after lightning hit a tree, and wow. um, her father lost consciousness, but later woke up to find his daughter in critical condition and not breathing, and she was rushed to the hospital. She died two days later, and um, yeah, and so you know wow. they say don't stand up under a tree when right. there's lightning. Right. You don't know where to go because you think if it's raining, let me get out. Of, you know, let me get out right. of the rain and get under this tree. But yeah, they got yeah. struck by lightning. Now, they said wow. an average of 28 people in the U.S. die each year from lightning strikes, according to data from the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC. And the CDC also noted that Florida, Texas, Colorado, North Carolina, and Alabama have the most lightning deaths. At, <laughs> and, and that's 73% of deaths occur during the summer months. So since summer wow. is officially over, so hopefully... <laughs> Hopefully people will get struck. <laughs> yeah, and so data also shows that one out of four lightning strike victims are people between 15 and 24, which is weird. Wow. Yeah, one out of four, and uh, that six out of ten lightning deaths happen, of course, outdoors during leisure activities. Mental note: mm. stop your leisure activities if it's lightning. Go somewhere and sit down. As my girl Kai would say. My mama would say, take your ass and sit down somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Oh, okay, so this leads me to this. We're going to give 
um, our listeners a bit of um, a bit of culture. This would be our culture class. We need to do a segment on culture class, right? So what this what this segment now is going to be is that here's what happened in black households. What happened, Elias, when um, a storm happened when you were little? What happened in your we household? Un- we unplugged the TV. We unplugged the telephone. Your ass couldn't be on the telephone. You had to sit your center ass down in the basement if you had a basement. And stay away from the window. Exactly. <laughs> it was like no yeah. mirrors, no yeah. nothing, unplug everything. Because, mm-hmm. you know, power surge will blow your electronics. So we didn't – it wasn't big back then to have surge protectors, right? So any power surge can blow out your stuff. So you unplug stuff and you stop talking. You couldn't be on the phone. They literally told us to shut up. Like you, somebody, there was no. One, somebody told me that even the surge protectors don't protect your stuff and them lightning. The lightning hits your house directly. You can forget. Oh yeah, it won't. The surge protectors will not protect it. Like what? No. Okay. Yeah, it's just for random power surges, but for lightning, that is just too much electricity. It's gonna blow it. So yeah, so yeah, we we did we did the same thing. That's a cultural thing. I, I'm curious. Well, I'm not even curious because I know what happened. It is like a scary movie when, when a white person does this, this hides in plain sight. Hey, mm-hmm. what's that noise? And like, <laughs> he just go in the room. Let's go investigate. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, because something looks weird over there. You know, let me mm-hmm. go in there. But, yeah, when, 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 there's, when there's storms, when we were little, and I know when my mom was, and she used to tell me stories about that, too, that you could not move around as black people. Everybody had to sit in the dark and quiet. They ain't leave no mm-hmm. lights on and be like, "Well, we still got power. Let's check it." They was like, "Sit still and don't." Mm-hmm. That's, that's that's why we were on yeah. the planet so long. I just want to say that yeah. for the record. <laughs> but people ask, "Why black people been on this planet so long?" That's why we respect nature. Exactly. <laughs> so, all right. Now, um, you know. I have mixed feelings about the Prince estate generally, like I do with Michael Jackson's estate. But I'll do this as a public announcement. The Prince estate is releasing two more songs from Diamonds and Pearls Deluxe Deluxe Edition, um, Get Blue and Live for Love. I just was listening to that song yesterday. There's an earlier version of it, and they're among the 47 previously unreleased tracks to be included in the super deluxe edition of Prince's Diamonds and Pearl and Pearls and it's coming out on October 27th. Now, credited to Prince, it's credited to Prince in the New Power Generation. Um, the two previous unreleased tracks um, released in partnership with Sony Music and Warner Music uh, um, come from Diamonds and Pearls recording in 1991. Both songs are av- available on Sony um I'm tired of promoting them. Um, anyway, <laughs> there's two new songs uh, coming out. Get Blue is a piano-driven song with Prince playing every instrument, like always. And uh, the track eventually ended up with an R&B artist called Louie Louie, who recorded a version in 1993 um, album, Let's Get Started. So there's hmm. two new Prince tracks coming out. Uh, you know, here... <laughs> You know what, man? You I, know, I, I, go ahead. Uh-huh. No, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, uh, you know, I, I stopped listening to R. Kelly when he got convicted of all that stuff. But I started uh-huh. listening to him because 
they 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 were saying that you know all of his money now that he makes out Spotify and everything else goes to his victims. Mm-hmm. So I was like, man, yeah. I started listening to him again. Yeah, oh, yeah, I listen to America. All the money he doesn't get any of the money. It doesn't support him. It supports his victims. So I'm good. Right. With okay. Is that a um, was yeah? It sounds like it was like a court settlement that they yeah. didn't. Um, mm-hmm. Restitution yeah. through the music that he made. Yeah. R. Kelly yeah. has a lot of songs. He's done yeah. a, lot of, a lot of music, so yeah. Yeah, so he don't get a dime off of his music. Any of the music that he's made, and and, and mm-hmm. all of his all his money goes to his victims because he his loss the lawsuits are unbelievably large. So yeah, he no, doesn't get a dime on his money. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't understand the R. Kelly case at all. And I didn't. And again, I didn't. I didn't watch most of it. I didn't watch any of it actually. And the reason mm-hmm. is, is because I don't know how you can be that damn foul. You know, a friend of mine just reminded me of something I said to her years ago, and it was that I don't watch things that makes me empathetic to negative behavior. I said it differently, so she'll correct me later on. But if you watch something, you are what you eat, and so to yeah. have empathy dysfunction you have to relate to it so watching it make you empathetic to something which allows you to absorb it and i i'm i just never felt comfortable with kind of saying let me empathize with why you're so damn crazy because then i would actually start to have some kind of like moral obligation to i don't know you know think that the behavior is okay right you know what i mean i i I empathize with I empathize with prostitution, right? It's because I understand that if you know a couple of prostitutes, then you'll be like, you know what, she's good people. <laughs> like, I'm just saying yeah. that as a joke. <laughs> like, so if you go to a strip club and you know some women who are strippers, you're going to empathize with it opposed to being judgmental. You're like, that woman's mm-hmm. empowered. Every stripper is not on drugs. Like, you know, like I'm saying you'll empathize with anything that you look at too closely. So when somebody does something foul, like abuse children and stuff, I have no willingness to say, why would you abuse that child? I don't, I don't feel that way. Yeah. So, yeah, so I never, I never watched any of that stuff. No. All right. So I, I guess I better do something a little bit more um, uplifting. So scientists are developing an implant smaller than a crayon that they hope will cure cancer in 60 days. Wow. So there's research Dang. from seven states led by Rice University in Houston, Texas, um, that have developed a three-inch implantable device that works um, as both a cancer detection system and a drug administration system. So doctors determine what drug the patient needs and then put that drug into a device that's released into their body. Wow. So, yeah, they said it's a, hi- uh, a, a hybrid advanced molecule manufacturer regulator, or HAMMER, H-A-M-M-R, um, is a full, you know, is full of sensors that monitor mutating cancer cells, and it just uh, um, releases uh, immunotherapy drugs based on its patient's response. So the device is one of many new um, cancer-curing technologies that's being developed. The most recent is a groundbreaking pill that found that to eradicate all types of solid tumors in earlier studies. Now, so who's, who's making this? 
Um, uh, I I remember doing the the um, that pill study. I'll look it up before we're off, but um, I don't know. This research is led by Rice University, so this is colleges. Okay. This is why I don't understand why cancer drugs are so expensive. The government funds the research, and then once they figure out how it works, then they lease or license it to a pharmaceutical company, and then they charge you. Okay, so we have. You know, give me Doctor Chevy. Give, give me, give me his. His, his yeah. cures. Damn, that's yeah. the rest of them. Yeah. You know. Yep. Let your foods cure you. Stop yeah. eating cancer-causing. You know. Yeah, chemical okay. cancer-causing um, foods, right? Um, that, if you that, don't know what the one means, you gave me was that 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 made me salute, man, because it went from two hundred dollars a share to almost five, almost six hundred dollars a share. The one really? with the fat pill, yes, that that uh, yes. Eli Lilly, that, yeah, it was, yes. it was two twenty when I first bought it. It's almost uh-huh. five eighty, five ninety right now. Yeah, because they're gonna make money off of that stuff. Like, uh, yeah. soon as soon as they develop it. They, these are press releases, so this is not inside trader. I don't know anybody at Eli Lilly, but I can tell you that when they have these studies come out and they know they're about to break on it, only certain people move on it, like you did. And then by the mm-hmm. time you know, anybody wants that, they'll just be selling it to rich people. Yeah. So you know the thing about this study, though, for for those who don't know what immunotherapy is. It is a type of cancer treatment that uses a substance made by the body or in the lab to boost your immune system in hopes that your body will automatically fight cancer. So immunotherapy is almost like how the flu shot works. They put a dead version of flu, and your body creates the antibodies to fight it. So this new technology is based upon having immunotherapy, having your body be able to recognize something to actually kill it. So... You know, now there's another study that higher doses of this radiotherapy can slash prostate cancer treatment time as much as 75%. So they're saying it's a game-changing study. So suitable patients could see the number of treatment sessions they need cut from 20 to 5 with a 96% chance the disease will not progress within five years. Mm. So this is in the U.K., though. So this research, um, the Royal um, Marsden, the NHS Foundation Trust, and the Institute of Cancer Research expects the findings to transform the way um, radiotherapy is delivered. So it means that men with intermediate risk or localized prostate cancer should be offered this stereostatic body radiotherapy treatment. It's SBRT. It allows them to spend less time in the hospital. So you're talking about yeah. getting treatment for prostate cancer that's going to only be for five days. Wow. Can you believe that? Because yeah. it used to take weeks, like a couple of yeah. months of treatment. They're talking only five days with a 96% uh, success rate. Wow. 20 treatments for five. Yep. Now, um... Now, a pro-life woman who torched a Wyoming abortion clinic is jailed for five years and will be ordered to pay three $300,000. This um, um, Lorna Roxanne Green, who's 22, will make uh, be made to pay restitution 
of around $300,000 after her 2022 arson attack delayed the opening of a um, of a clinic for almost a year. Mm. Man. And, wow. oh, and, and other um, crazy white women news, you know, this Long Island event planner, this um, Lauren uh, Penenza, I think is her name, mm-hmm. she's the one mm-hmm. who pulled, pushed down this 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 woman 87 years old an old broadway singer shouldn't say old she's a broadway singer barbara um Gustern, and she pushed her down in an unprovoked attack attack and uh, on the soft on the sidewalk and she killed her and wow. so yeah she was jailed now here's the thing she was jailed for eight and a half she's she's been um sentenced to eight and a half years for pushing her down so the girl mm. Um, her sentence was a part of a plea bargain, which she was found guilty of first-degree manslaughter, slaughter, and the sentence was significantly less than 25 years that she would have risked if she went to trial. So yeah. here's what happened. The woman, the, the 25-year-old, who was some rich person in New York City, I forgot what they said her family does, but um, they need they, some draining pool draining place in Long Island. Um, uh, they call her heiress, so they must have a ton of money. They said that she's been in Rikers Island for over a year, but she pushed this woman down because she was celebrating her engagement, and she just went and pushed this random lady. She crossed the street and pushed her intentionally down. Mm. And so <laughs> they interviewed some of her uh, former friends, that said it came as no surprise that she's disturbed that she was accused of a disturbing crime. I know her very well in school and she was pure trouble. And according to another classmate, she's the poster child of white privilege. She never faced any consequences in her life. Um, she was enabled by her parents who got her out of everything, but she called them stupid and basic. And she cried like a freaking baby at at her um, at her trial, and I'm like, I don't know if you think that's gonna get you out of trouble. She's 27 years old, and she's crying. She killed someone, and now she's crying. <laughs> hey, man. Again, these, these I have no something else, man. Yeah, they have something else. Yeah, that yeah that that's the thing. I'm like, you want me to feel sorry for you for you being an ass and then killing somebody and then being like, oh my bad. That woman's life was more than that. I don't care if she was 87. <laughs> like, you don't do that to anybody. Mm-hmm. Now, a two-year-old girl was resuscitated by cops doing a fentanyl overdose as a 32-year-old woman is arrested, and body cam footage showed that police um, tried to revive the girl from a, um, from this um, fentanyl overdose. It was in um, um, Portage, Wisconsin that the the baby's mother got arrested. And speaking of <laughs> fentanyl <laughs> overdose, the owner of a New York City daycare where a toddler yeah. died of a exposure um, put her own two-year-old son out of there last year because he was showing signs of um, drug exposure. She's yeah. 36. And um, at this daycare where a child died from ingesting fentanyl, um, she pulled her child from. Why are they bringing drugs into daycares? That's I, I, again, I don't. 
because it, it, you know you would never expect that you know at a daycare, but still don't do that. Don't do no, man. You know, come on, man. Really, you you mm-hmm. bring drugs into a daycare where kids are. Right. You, know, you, you figure the police would never go in there and looking for them, but man, look, you talking about somebody, somebody's child. This right. don't do it. You're talking about child. Now, you know the Vatican. I, I missed the story um, last week, but the Vatican um, formerly reputed the um, colonial era doctrine of discovery which was used centuries ago to justify Europeans' conquest of Africa and America, saying that it's not a part of the Catholic teachings. Now, nearly 500 years after the Pope decrees um, were used to rationalize Europe's colonization, the Vatican said that it reputed those decrees in March of 2023. Now, if you don't know what the doctrine of discovery is, that... It, it means that if white folks do not do not acknowledge it, it didn't exist. Mm. It's not discovered until white people say that, oh, look, it's America. No matter who's already living here, the doctor of discovery is used for them to justify <laughs> taking other people's um, stuff. So the doctrine was invoked as a legal and religious standing by Europeans who discovered new lands violently seized from people who've been living there for generations and it's also been cited in different areas of the country including the u.s supreme court as early as 1823 and as recent as 2005 you know who cited it um ruth bader ginsburg so as everybody yeah. keeps saying oh how great she was that hook actually used the doctrine of discovery to against the oneidas now the oneidas in new york state there's six nations, right? The Onondagas, mm-hmm. the Oneidas, Tuscaroras, Mohawks, Seneca, Senecas, and the um, I'm missing one. But anyway, that that who are truly sovereign. So the only um, Native American um, nations that are truly sovereign in this country is up here, right? And so one of the historians who I actually know really well told me about the Doctrine of Discovery years ago. But he also told me about the case um, of the city of Sherrill versus the Oneida Nation in New York State. And they actually ruled on the Doctrine of Discovery. Now, it's a religious doctrine that the government uses against everybody else. So hmm. when when a casino wanted to expand, the this, this city of Oneida said, the city of Searle said, oh, y'all can expand because y'all have no claim to the land that was actually yours. The doctrine huh? of discovery says that white folks, yeah, it says that white folks get to determine that the ownership of something opposed to the people who actually live there. <laughs> the, Vatican, kidding me. the Vatican just apologized for, formally last Thursday. Oh, our bad. Because because Europeans use the church as a reason for doing God told us to do this. You know the Republicans still do this. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, with the Jimmy Swaggers of the world, I'm sorry I have sinned. God forgave me. So they mm-hmm. justify their actions by church doctrine and the Vatican 
they they laid out a series of de- degree, decrees. Decrees. One was issued in 1452 um, that they authorized colonial powers such as Spain, Portugal, to seize lands and to subjugate people in Africa and in the New World as long as the lands were not Christian. So if it wasn't Christian, you didn't have to respect it. So what began as a religious decree in 1400 wow. became the basis of legal um, concept in the U.S. when it was invoked in 1823. So the Supreme Court ruled that indigenous people only had rights of occupancy and not ownership over lands that they long lived on. You can occupy it, but you don't own it because you don't didn't go to white folks and they didn't. Yeah, I know. The well, land was then before everybody else. So what did you say? The indigenous people lived here before everyone else. So how the hell didn't they own? That's what I don't. Yeah. You, I, because I here before you even got here, but I don't own it. Can you come in? You gonna take it from me? Yep. It, and it's because of the doctrine. It's what it's called. What the legal precedent was was called the doctrine of discovery, and we still use that till today. So if you go to court, they will cite the doctrine of discovery. It was something that the church made up and said, if you're not Christian, we don't have to respect you. Wow. So that's why they were trying to turn all of the natives um, Christian. <laughs> wow. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It is, it is sick and sad at the same time. It's like, it at what point? At what point was this okay? So yeah, I I, I knew this uh, years ago, but I didn't realize that the that Vatican came out to apologize. Now I had a friend who was just uh, uh, some friends who were just in Italy, and they were saying that the tour guides was actually saying, "Oh yeah, we stole this, and Italians took this, and and ro- the Romans took this," and it was really interesting that they said, it's interesting that the tour guide was admitting that they stole stuff. And I said, well, you can't hide it for too long. You right. know, between, between every um, bit of truth, there's a, um, you have to hide a lie inside of truth because mm-hmm. nobody will believe you. Right? So they have to tell you a little bit of truth so that they can lie to you. Because if you yeah. find out, you just won't believe them anymore. Exactly. You know, and so the, the huh? Wow, that I mean, that was got me, man. Wow, yeah. You know, the story that I, I um, you know, was holding out on because I know that this is gonna sidetrack me when I when I talk about this. You know that movie, um, The Blind Side, right? Right. So, mm-hmm. so I saw that. I know I didn't talk about this in the uh, earlier shows. But a Tennessee judge has ruled that she is ending the conservatorship between the ex-NFL player. Now, he's an ex-NFL player. Why does his white family still have control of his finances? Have a conservatorship, yes. Right. Yeah. Now, they reached an agreement in 2004, right, um, that gave um, Sean and Leanne, whatever their last name is, legal control over the, this guy's finances. He was 18 years old and living with them at the time of the agreement. So the judge said that she was disturbed that such agreement was ever reached, and she can't believe that it ever got done. 
Because in Tennessee, a conservatorship that takes away the power from a person to make their own decisions for themselves is often in cases of, like, medical conditions or, or a disability. So her ruling Friday does not end this legal feud between them because the movie The Blind Side made over $300 million globally and millions in home sales. And all of that money mm. goes to the two white folks and their kids. And that black guy gets none of that money. None. Wow. And so because they had the ability to sign over his likeness in his person because they had a conservatorship on him. Now, he's currently <laughs> 37 years old. He's asking them to hand over the financial accounting of the money that they have earned through his conservative, through that conservatorship. And so in August, he filed a position accusing them of trying, uh, of lying to him because he thought he was signing an adoption agreement, which um, they only signed, the conservatorship was um, signing over his rights to financial govern him, but he wasn't adopted into their family. He thought he was signing an adoption <laughs> paper. And there was like, no, Negro, out of all the money you're going to make, <laughs> we going to get your money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To be paid back. Yep. Mm. Now, The Blind Side was not the first um, film to be criticized for the white savior narrative. So this woman, Samantha Shepard, who's a film professor at Cornell University, said that that trope dates back to the nineteen to nineteen fifteen with the birth of a nation, a story that um, the necessity of white people to save the country. It's the white savior thing, right? And um, the narrative has also been in sports genres like uh, Glory Road in 2006 and the 2013 movie about Jackie Robinson, um, the 2016 movie with Jesse Owens, a uh, movie about race, the movie called Race. And they said, what we see with these kind of films is that the stories about black lives are not really about black people, she said. They are about the benevolence and the righteousness of white um, paternalistic forces. Mm -hmm. So there are always stories about somebody saving a black person from themselves, and then these people ended up taking their money. Mm. So, wow. yeah. Yeah, I never paid any attention to it. And I think um, when this, first, this case first came out, I think Sandra Bullock actually said something about it. But I feel bad for her. She did a great job in the movie, from what I understand. Yeah, she did. And um, she can't be held responsible for that. She had no concept of who rights were being taken. She said she didn't know. Yeah. You know when it yeah. She was like, she didn't know that was going on. But they still mm -hmm. had a conservative over his finances, and they, the family is claiming, well, we didn't have um, any say in his NFL contract. Hell, he was 18. You shouldn't have had any can say in any of his contracts. Right. Once he turned 18. Right. So you can't, you can't just say he kept that money so we get to keep this. No, so I know what the, I know what the claim is going to be though. about his life. Yeah. Right, they they're saying it was about them, but the story about him, he got all of. You know how we talk about this with college football or college sports, that name and likeness stuff that the kids get now. He didn't have that on his. So those people who are not, they're not even adoptive parents, so they're not even related to him. They kept all of his money even after he turned 18. So he should, I would think he should be able to sue them. Yeah. Well, yeah. they're in court. He is suing them. 
but mm-hmm. you know, I, he by right he should be able to. Yeah. No. Yeah. So, what'd you say? That is that, that is just unbelievably just messed up, man. Yeah. See, I, I've seen this this story in the news, but I don't see anybody talking about it. It's because it 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 fits a narrative that people are being ex- exploited, and so it goes back mm-hmm. to our doctor discovery news story, right? Oh, y'all don't what? have no rights unless it comes through white folks. What? So new, the news is not covering this story like they should as well. They'll do mm-hmm. a ten second blurb that they're getting sued. But they won't talk about this because this happens for people who are getting exploited all the time. Exactly. Exactly. Now, speaking of that, I haven't done, I haven't done these stories in a while, but a married Missouri high school teacher, 28, said, I knew this day was coming when she was put on leave after students discovered her OnlyFans porn page that she used to earn 10 <laughs> So, wow! So she, wow! She like someday somebody gonna find out, but I'm still doing it. So she's mm. a married mother of two and a high school teacher. This woman, Brianna um, Hoppage, who's 28, is suspended from her uh, Santa Clara High School uh, in Missouri after the district received reports that she was explicit contact fans. I don't know why I'm advertising for her. Her alias is Brooklyn Love. I don't know what that means. Right on. Right on. Listen, though. She said she has no regrets about her decision, but she's going to miss her students. (laughs) I like her attitude. I bet you are going to miss her. She was like, I do what I do. But I'm going to miss y'all. I'm going to get in, y'all. It's easy. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I guess she figured... That $10,000 a month, she was like, I'm teaching to make money, and now I'm not teaching to make money. Mm. But she said uh, she believes that she was identified after her husband appeared in one of her videos. Yeah, that would do it. And then someone yeah, tipped uh, off the school board, and she revealed that wow. she makes an additional $10,000 per month, um, which... Um, she said that people subscribe for ten dollars a month, but mm. but I think she makes forty thousand dollars a year. But um, at her teaching job, and now she makes ten thousand dollars a month being raunchy. It's a little brain of hell. You know, you can if you can make ten thousand, or you can make uh, a month, or you can make uh, uh, eight hundred dollars a month. It's on you. See, didn't I tell you that about empathizing with women at the strip clubs? She's happy mm-hmm. doing it. I can't get mad at her. I mean, I don't watch no, her. No, I ain't so. mad at her. Yeah. You know, it's America. I ain't mad at her. No, she get said that in. she probably, she said she admit that she'll probably never, she's never going to teach again um, after she no. after she was found out. But she said she knew it was coming. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. that, that sounds like, that sound like teaching was a hobby. She was like, yeah. ah. <laughs> Well, I'm not making this. While I'm not making this film, I'm gonna teach them. I'm gonna teach English. <laughs> like yeah, that's what she yeah. Said. yeah. Everybody's gonna look at their, everybody gonna look at their each their English teacher funny on Monday, but that's a whole yeah. other story. Yeah. I ain't gonna get that. <laughs> <laughs> like this so and so. What you doing on the weekends? Right? Like whatever. Hey, Miss right, Fox. 
<laughs> yeah, that should have been my teacher, Miss Parker. Hey, boys. Um, now, in other teacher news, this is not a good one. An elementary school teacher accused of raping a 12-year-old boy oh was rearrested God. over claims that she texted him saying, you'll regret this after being freed on bond. So Alyssa <laughs> McCommon, 38, was arrested in Covington, Tennessee, um, uh, late Thursday, 20 days after her initial arrest on September 8th for um, child sex attack. Now, she was accused of breaching a condition of her $25,000 bond, um, stipulating that she'll never have contact, or that she would have no contact with the victim. So she checked the boy using a different phone number, um, using a specific code word that she previously used to send him nude photos of herself. Um, and uh, that's what is alleged, I guess I have to say that. And she said that you'll regret this threatening. Um, <laughs> you can wait. this boy and you calling him. What is the world she is, coming to, man? Man, she is 38, tra- she is 38 chasing a 12-year-old. You're going to regret this because I done raped you. Now, you going to regret exactly. it. Listen. I'm like, I ain't regret nothing. I know women hate when we have this com- this this conversation because if it was a twelve year old girl, everybody'd be like, "Hang him, hang him, hang him." It is a twelve mm-hmm. year old boy, and we're like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> right?" Your maternal wow, instinct should have kicked in. You should have been playing right. on some twelve year olds. Right. Oh my gosh! And apparently, mm. and apparently, she's still like on him, saying that you're gonna regret it, like. You know what's that? What's that woman's name? Mary Kay Letourneau or something? The, the yeah. woman who, who who married the the student and had a couple mm-hmm. of kids by him. Yeah. Ah. Mm-hmm. Man. All right. So uh, the NBA suspended a former uh, suspends former Spurs guard Josh Primo, who's twenty, over allegations that he exposed himself to multiple women. Um, he's a free agent. He's set to serve his ban upon signing with a new team. So, I don't know what this means, but the NBA did announce that he's been hit with a suspension after the investigation found that he engaged in inappropriate and offensive behavior by exposing himself to women. I don't know what that means exactly, so I probably shouldn't have did that story. Anywho, all right. I know we're we're running up against it. And those teacher stories, I just had to distract myself from the teacher stories. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And on a quick note before we go out, back to my Dion stuff, I think that I don't know. I'm, I can't wait to see the ratings on this year, uh, this week's um, show for Fox, but I know they had more than 10 million viewers on the last game that Colorado had. So they're making mm. a mint over there. So oh, much respect to them. Yeah, much, mm-hmm. much respect to Colorado. And I'm going to get a Colorado shirt, and I don't even like them. But I like him now. That Dion's. Yeah. If, if, yeah. If Dion leaves tomorrow, I'm getting the new team's shirt. So whatever to y'all. Yeah. There you go. All right. All, All right. right. On that note, we'll see you next week. All right. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Later.